a sensational crime. An airtight alibi. We can't lay a finger on this guy. And a chain of evidence. Bring him in. Charles Bronson is a cop looking for a killer. And he's running out of time. Go ahead. Sink me in. You can't punish me. When the guilty go free, the system is the crime. Ten to midnight. Charles Bronson. Lisa Eilbacher and Andrew Stevens in a Golong Globus production of a J. Lee Thompson film. Ten to midnight. The the trailer I provided was way better. Welcome everyone to episode seventy six of Schlockernaut, where we travel to the edge of the cinematic universe to watch and discuss all types of films, even those that include a Charles Bronson canon film combo. That is our movie, Meatloaf and Mashed Potatoes. Nice. Uh, today, we are talking about 1983's 10 to Midnight, and we're going to decide if this movie is schlock or not. What's up, man? What's going on? So I, I, would, say that I would say your trailer uh, was better, but was later, because I had already done the trailer. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the uh, procrastinator yeah. of the group here. <laughs> yeah, so. like I, I kind of wait to the last minute. If it was really easy. Like, oh, I got something really in. good. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, you have exactly ten minutes to cut it and uh, digitize it and get ready for the show. So. I, pr- I probably should have talked about this before we started recording, but they have a new version of my soundboard that lets you look up sound clips on the fly, so you can just like a search engine. So I could type Ooh. in car horn, and it would pull up like a billion different car horns, and I don't have to download them and and like process them and copy them to the soundboard. So I might make that a little short term goal of the show for like quick clip type shit. Yeah, definitely. Send me a link, buddy. I'd like to check that out. All righty. Cool, man. All right, so I got I to gotta ask you. Before, we're going to do fake sponsors, and we're going to get to the show. But can we just get this? Can we clear the air immediately? Okay. Uh, have we already seen this movie, this canon movie? I have never seen it. Never. No, I'm just saying, have we seen this movie before? Because <laughs> this is Cobra. Oh, oh <laughs> see, yeah. So I know you got a real uh, Cobra vibe out of it. I got a real Dirty Harry vibe out of it. Um, I guess you could go either way with it. Um, well, it, it just the, the similarities to me, like, you know, you've got a cop who kind of operates on the edge of the job, if you know what I mean, on the thin blue line. The zombie zombie squad? Yeah, to get his man. Yeah. And uh, he's hunting a serial killer with a victim who's very close to him. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of similarities for sure. Um, but but He's for got me, the one partner that's helping him, and then seemingly nobody else on the entire department's doing their job to help him solve <laughs> this murder. To me, I think that it, it leaned more Dirty Harry to me because of the darker tone. Like, Cobra had more of like a big action hero. Ah, Cobra was dark too, though. It was. Cobra was very it was dark. dark. It was dark. Now that I think that about it, it's not a light and crisp. It's, you're right. You're right. A light and crisp nugget of no, you're right. um, magic. I yeah, guess, they're both really dark. I guess... Um, to me guys using a big blade to kill all the victims i would say that uh stallone has a more of a now i don't want to say goofy but more of a cartoony vibe than dirty harry did dirty harry was like definitely dark and i guess i got more of that out of bronson than a uh, stallone well charles bronson's older like clint eastwood so maybe that's where you get you know, grizzled. He's a grizzled more man. More grizzled. Yeah. yeah, he's like a, a seasoned detective, if you will. Yeah, right. All right. Okay, cool. We got that out of the way. Thank you. All right. Let's do fake sponsors. You go first. All right. Let me get my notes close to my face here. 
Uh, my fake sponsor is the D83 Swedish Sure Grip Suck Machine. It's for jacking off, isn't it? <laughs> I wanted to take the whole naked gun cut from that. <laughs> I couldn't tell when you found that thing if that was a uh, masturbatory uh, implement or if it was like a uh, putter. <laughs> it, Lynn had no clue what it was when she pulled it up. I was like, nah, just wait. You'll figure it out soon enough. <laughs> Uh, that was the worst looking fleshlight, dude. It was all oh, like fucking God. rotted and shit. Like <laughs> semen has a uh, debilit- debilitating uh, uh, effect on latex, apparently. The motor on that thing looked seriously dangerous, too. It was huge. All right, what do you got? All right, that's good. Uh, this episode of Slocker Not is brought to you by Preparation H. Keeping this set, thankfully, hemorrhoid-free for the duration. Nice. Because there was a lot of... Uh, Rear end shots that some of them went a little too deep. It did. It did. You got in the crevasse a few times. Yeah, those that shots. angle. I think I saw a couple of uh, taints and balls yeah. too. Oh, dude, this yeah. so this is a first for the show. I don't have a spoiler warning queued up. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to do one, Doc, or do you want me to quickly find one for you? Quickly, go ahead and find one. I'm sure you had the uh, capabilities. Oh my god, if we had that other soundboard, I sure would. Let's see, this will be this will be good for everybody to see how I do this. So go to Sledge. And then go to spoiler. See this is how it's all. This is how it's all worked. This is how the sausage is made right here. And then I, I hope go it's delicious. To, and I just I'm gonna pick a random one because I'm not prepped. And here we go. Now these old schlockenot boys are gonna be diving deep into a pond here in Hazard County. This show is gonna be spoiled worse than the eggs in Uncle Jesse's sack. Nice. All right, so it was perfect. You used the uh, eggs and sack spoiler alert, which is perfect because this movie has a uh, is predominantly Fair bit naked of men sack. running around, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Running around kill, killing people. Yeah. And we did talk about, like, before we started, you know, um, we talked about the fact that, what did we talk about? Uh, my bass guitar. Your bass guitar, but we also talked about something else before we started that I wanted to bring up. I messed up the Discord. Yeah, that. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, we're talking about, dude. What? Which canon film is this? How many canon films have we done now? Ninja Three: The Domination. Man, a lot. Breaking. Yeah. Um, one that wasn't distributed by Canon, Cobra. Then we have Ten to Midnight. Uh, what about Jim Cotta? Was that a canon? I don't think so. I think we've done more than that, haven't we? Probably. Because I think some of we'll them we were surprised we'll they were even Rosa. canon. Yeah. Yeah. But man, I tell you what, uh, this one starts out with that warm, soothing glow of the Canon Golan Globus production title cards, with the sound of that police scanner. So it kind of gets you revved up, I guess. Well, it's just when you see that Canon logo, you kind of already, I know, I know when I see the Canon logo where my expectations are going to be, and I would say this one exceeded it. But in general, when you see the Canon logo, you, you're you're not going in thinking, okay, this is a uh, you know, Russo Brothers, uh, high action Transformers, you're getting a canon film out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be entertaining whether you enjoy it or not. You're, you're still going to be entertained. Right. Yeah. Um, this one has top cop Leo Kessler in it. Do you think uh, he was named after that cheap ass $12 a handle whiskey? I don't even know what that is. Is that a, is there a <laughs> Kessler whiskey? No, I don't drink. I, like early in my military career, everybody was buying Kessler whiskey. It's like $12 a bottle. Oh, that'd be good if it was. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not good. It's probably destroying brain cells of our military members as we speak. Guts, rotten guts out. So uh, it starts off Kessler's, you know, really action packed intro. Uh, yeah. Charlie Bronson sitting down at a typewriter 
two finger typing. typing. Out, <laughs> two, two finger typing out some sort of report. And he's got this old homeless dude named Nestor who's begging to be arrested for sticking people. So does this kind of mean that he's already got a crime series going and this old dude is trying to like falsely confess to the murders that are already happening? That's a, or is that's it just, just some weird old guy that has, you know, excited delirium is just saying ridiculous stuff to get arrested? That's a really good point. I, I think maybe also it was just showing that he's a veteran, uh, a seasoned veteran, and he sees through the bullshit right away. And, uh, you know, he, he's above that already, maybe. Oh, yeah, he's seasoned, so he's used to dealing with homeless um, mental patients. Yeah, and he could tell. He, I think he would know if the dude was lying or not based on his experience type deal. He knew this guy was a crackpot. He did. Nestor did have mad badges on that coat, though. He was like a two-star general or something. According to that coat. Stolen, stolen valor. <laughs> That's stolen what he valor. have been arrested sure. for. <laughs> that was his biggest crime. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to uh, Starbucks and I got a free coffee with this jacket. Yeah. Stolen valor. Yeah, yeah, Nestor's guilty as charged. Why do you think Nestor wants to go to jail? Is it the uh, the meals, the showers, the cots, or the sex that keeps right, him coming right, back? How about a D, all of the above? <laughs> it's a player's choice. Uh, uh, I got my uh, fella in there that I want to go visit, so you're going to have to book me for sticking yeah. all them girls. Like, whatever, Nestor. Yeah. Beat it. And then he gets mad and calls him a flat foot. <laughs> yeah. Nestor was Which, are you familiar with that slang? Is that from is that from uh, police walking the beat all the time, I would guess? It is. Yeah, yeah okay. they're getting them flat feet from walking the beat all the time. So yeah. it was kind of a lowly job back in the day, and that's that was a slang. Like, your job sucks so bad, you got to walk around all day. Right, you're a flat, <laughs> flat foot. foot. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, he once he finds out he's not getting booked, he just gets angry. So um, Kessler is played by, I guess we should get this out of the way, the legendary Jerry Action film star, Charles Bronson. You've heard of that term, Jerry Action Star, right? No. Is that older? Is that an older action star? That's like the uh, geriatric, older, like the Liam Neesons. Nice. And I would even assume, like at this point, I, I, I Tom I hate Cruise. To say it. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yeah, like Tom Cruise, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, like Kurt anybody, that, Jean Claude Van Damme. Anybody like, in the Expendables is it? Is that? It's a Jerry. Well, that's a Jerry action movie. So nice. yeah, that's like the uh, pinnacle of them all. I've never heard that term. That's good. Chuck Norris. Yeah. Um, so he's an actor. He's been in genre classics, and I'll say classics: Death Wish one through five. Mm. Uh, which do you remember? They remade Death Wish with Bruce Willis. I think it was directed oh, by yeah. Eli Roth. Did you ever see that? I one? didn't see it, but I do remember them making it. Yeah, it was pretty good actually. And uh, Mister Majestic, which is a good. Charles Bronson movie. I mean, wasn't he all that. the way back? Wasn't he in like Victory or something like the soccer? Oh, he's movie? in a ton of yeah. war movies. He's done all sorts of shit. But yeah. um, how many acting credits do you think he has? And I'm going to do a test. <sighs> wow. So I'm going to give you three numbers. You tell me which which one of the numbers is correct. All okay. right. Yep. Has Charles Bronson made 222 movies, 161 movies, or 190? You know, I'm going to go on the lower end of that. 161. Yeah. Correct. Okay. All right. The only it's reason still, I, I'm going to tell you why lower I end, it's still a lot. It, you know, it's a ton, but I'm going to tell you why I said that is because I looked up some of the character actors in this uh, movie that I that I really liked that I'd seen before, and they had over 200. And I know I'd seen them a lot more than I'd seen him. That's the only reason I kind of had the a character clue. actors in this film, man, like outstanding. Just literally plug and play those dudes. You know, they're going to give you the performance you need. Yep, and they're going to. And I'm going to talk about Jeffrey Lewis just a little that, bit. That's one. that's that same one I got a pull. I got a page. So I I made a huge mistake when that time comes. I'm going to tell you, but I spent about 30 minutes uh, of wasted time, and I'll tell you when we get to Jeffrey Lewis why. 
Okay. Uh, something I thought was kind of remarkable about Charles Bronson for this film is he actually got plastic surgery I know. to make himself look young enough for the role. I know. And you know and what? he still looks 80. <laughs> Either that's really good plastic surgery or really bad because he still looked 80, but I also couldn't tell he had plastic surgery. So which way? I can't we- <laughs> tell that you had anything done at all. <laughs> which way are we leaning? Is that good or bad? <laughs> He goes. He goes to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "I can't perform miracles, yeah. damn it." <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really unnecessary too because his his role in this was a seasoned veteran. He didn't need to look young. So it's, he needed to look grizzled. Yeah, he needed to look aged and yep. you know wise. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, he got some plastic surgery, which would I assume mean that they placed him under anesthesia. They drew some of those little purple drawings on your skin to make it look like they did something, and then they just woke him up. So he got like a uh, thirty minute. Power nap. Yeah, they, <laughs> they really didn't do anything. They charged him a hundred pounds. They trimmed his mustache slightly differently and parted his hair on the other side. <laughs> a little Rogaine, <laughs> yeah. no, a little just for men on the mustache yeah, and the goatee. Yeah. <laughs> Give him some the, the stuff you color your roots with that looks like a stick stick of glue. Some of that. I had a friend of mine that used to just for men his goatee. He was like full gray, like Santa Claus white. Nice. And he would come out. And it looked like he took a sharpie and just colored in his 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 facial hair, but then it also is. Like dyed the skin too. <laughs> like shoe polished himself. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, it looks great, man. Looks real yeah. good. Yeah, thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell at all. No, not at all. Um. So anyway, you kind of see now that Leo doesn't have time for any bullshit. He's on the hunt for a killer, right? Uh, and apparently, this wasn't the original opening or intro to the movie. It was going to start off with a murder, and Charles Bronson's like, "I'm not doing any movie where I'm not the first person they see. Why are you gonna? Why are you gonna?" you know, present the killer before you present the star of the movie. That's funny, man, because he does, he, uh, I got some more stuff on that post show about, um, his do's and don'ts of this film. So yeah, I can see that. I guess he's just one of them dudes, but dude, he's a star. He's a man's right? man. Yeah. He's, he's a list. He's at, a man's man. Point. Like you're going to, you're going to give me all the action here. Right. So, uh, they started off with that, uh, extremely action packed scene of him typing on a typewriter. So great work. Yeah. Great director, yeah. directorial decision there. Yeah. Really coming in hot uh, with Nestor. So then we go, yeah. So we go back to some more credits, and we get a rock and theme song that sounds very '80s generic. I would assume. Like, did you catch it? In I in, mean, in general, I don't mind the score of this movie because it was the '80s synth, which I like. Like I like an no matter side what. scroller, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Like this, this one's like when when you're doing the eight bit side scroller, and all of a sudden you're getting to the boss, so the, uh, the music is getting a little heated up. Yeah, it's building up. Yeah. Now it's nothing to, re- it's not remarkable. This is nothing to be like, oh, it had such a badass score, but it no. is what I want in these movies. And, and it is, it does bring back feelings of just that, that type of synth. So I do like it in general. We'll, we'll put it this way. Um, it's so unremarkable. Like I didn't make any effort to try and figure out who made it. Yeah. Actually it's in not the beginning like- of, of my, of the intro of the trailer. It's that, it's, that's the synth that they use throughout. Well, there's a couple of orchestral notes and some pianos, a little bit sprinkled in throughout. But anyway, um, now we cut to. Uh, I'm going to assume this wasn't by accident, but a Ted Bundy type stalker. Yeah, I mean, literally, he's in a um, uh, a Volkswagen Bug throughout the entire movie, which was Ted Bundy's vehicle of choice while he was committing his crimes. Yeah, but he's stalking this pretty blonde. But what I thought was unique and kind of interesting is. While he's stalking her and kind of following her around, he's fantasizing about being hum- humiliated by her. Oh, it, I did not catch that. I thought that he had actually done that and was humiliated by her. 
And that's why he was so mad. You think this actually happened? I Even did. though they don't give us any backstory at all, you're thinking that that actually happened. That was okay, my thought, yeah. That. yeah. Okay. So we, either okay. one of us could be right there, but I, that, I thought it was like, oh, he made this move, and now he's mad at her because of the rejection, and that's why he's following her around. Even in hindsight, it's hard to tell because the killer in this movie is batshit crazy. He is, man. He made the movie. I'll say it right up front. This dude made the yeah, movie. Yeah, he is absolutely Captain Insano, man. Yep. So, I, you know, watching it twice, I still couldn't tell if he was trying to, like, if that was a memory that he was processing or if it was something he was creating in his fantasy because it gave him the justification to kill these people. Because, to me, this killer always started off on a on a normal path and then something would happen or the the female would say something to to cause him to get angry and look at them as less than in order to kill them he'd snap on an instant he did a i thought he had um like a better looking what's the dude from stand by me is it jerry o'connell yeah, oh yeah. i thought he was like a better looking jerry o'connell look to him if you want to like if you haven't seen the movie um and also and they kind of portrayed a little bit. It reminded me a lot of the uh, the Patrick Bateman, the American Psycho, like the way he was oh, taking care of himself. Dude, and there everything. was a scene where he leaves his apartment and like leans, leans over the railing of a stairwell, and I thought immediately of the chainsaw scene right. from American Psycho. Or, yeah. or remember when he's getting ready and he's he's naked, or you know he's in the the tiny tiny. The whole scene at the beginning where right. he's, in his, uh, he's smuggling plums. Yeah, he's putting on his facial. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. That was definitely very Patrick Bateman before yeah. Patrick Bateman. And he even, even kind of resembles him, too, a little bit. He resembles uh, Christian Bale, the younger Christian Bale. So, yeah, uh, dude did great. I mean, he he was stellar. But just to give you some context, too, um, the flashback sequence is basically he gets a girl partially nude, and as he's making his move, she takes like a, uh entire uh Frappe from Starbucks yeah. just slings it right into his face. Right, it's it's she's uh, at the at the at the. I took it as the work break break room, and he comes up behind her and unzips the back of her dress, and she like freaks out and turns around and throws the drink in his face. So that's why I thought maybe it was an actual occurrence. Uh, I could see that though because he is crazy, but he's also severely uh, socially awkward. Yeah, severely. Like, um, and everybody knows a guy like this, right? Everybody oh, knows yeah. a guy that. That you walk around and like when he walks around, he gets involved in the conversation. It just kills it immediately because he's so just weird. Super Pepe Le Pew vibes too. Like real. Dude, I can't <laughs> believe you put that. In. Did you have that? Yeah, we'll get to that later. All right, all right, I'll cool. bring that up. But uh, one of the things we didn't talk about is while he's in his uh, tidy whities and he's putting on his skincare products, he's also practicing his butterfly knife skills, which is something I assume you've done once or twice. I would say. I, I or like your yo-yo <laughs> career and your base, um, base experiences. Were you a butterfly knife guy? You know I was because I sent you the video. But I would say, <laughs> Good question. Well, first of all, man, think of that, dude. That that's got to for the ladies out there. That's a strong finger game. Base yo-yo butterfly knives. Just just throwing it out there. But I would say I have similar to better skills than him with the butterfly knife. I caught some flaws. Well, you know, I got my son the uh, practice ones with the. Uh, the blades that aren't sharp so you can practice and stuff. Yeah. So I've been through that phase in this house too. Hopefully he won't become a nude serial killer. Or a yo-yo. Hopefully you won't. (laughs) Or a yo-yo enthusiast. Or a yo-yo guy. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what would be worse. Like, Dad, Uh, uh, I got something to confess. What is the son? I signed up for the Duncan World Tour. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my God. Why couldn't you have been a serial killer? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and the banjo. I've got the, the lawyer on standbys, but I can't do anything for a yo-yo aficionado. Uh, like, I'm screwed there. Let's, let's throw the banjo in the mix, too, if we're talking finger game. Let's get it all in there. 
<laughs> I'm a really good finger picker. Um, <laughs> those things are flea market gold, man. Like that dude, like he's a, he's a sophisticated killer and literally his, um, his weapons cache consists of like switchblades, brass knuckles, throwing stars and butterflies. <laughs> It's everything I wanted. It's everything I wanted as a child. <laughs> it's a treasure trove to me at, at 13. Uh, 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 he's not a very good killer either, just so you know. Uh, so we do get to meet budding serial killer. His name's Warren Stacy. Yeah. <laughs> Tough guy name for sure. Tough guy name. Uh, the killer is portrayed by actor Gene Davis, who was in The Relic. Stay tuned, which we have to talk about that one sometime because we've talked about it on this show already. And, dude, he's been in a William Friedkin movie, Cruising, for Christ's sake. So I thought he was great. The guy's, yeah, uh, he was excellent. But his face looked like it got plastic surgery more so than Charles Bronson. <laughs> yeah, well, again, I think it was just that Bateman, that um, that super ultra um, GQ, perfect Narcissistic. skin, perfect body. You could tell he was into whatever kung fu. He had the big, he had a big picture of himself in like a gi, uh, you know, on his wall, which I want now. I told Lynn I want that exact picture of me. Um, yeah, he had a lot going on. Too bad Christmas is over, loser. So yeah, you're not getting yeah, it. Valentine's. Uh, so then we go to the movie theater where uh, this particular Cinemaplex is showing Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And uh, that's when you start to get a sense of kind of like what this character is because you see he's a narcissist. You see he's clearly got some issues. But while the chicks are like in line to pay for the movie, he gets uncomfortably close to them. Oh, my God. Uncomfortably. Like, like way too close. While his chest to is touching chicken, her right? back in line. Yeah. And what's crazy is uh, even crazier than the fact that um, you've got a serial killer that's, you know, stalking their victims. The fact that when she admits she's seen Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid five times, like. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the crazy one here? <laughs> crazy meet crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen the movie, but I'm sure it's great. But five times. Like, can you think of any movie you've seen more than two times in the theater? Uh, no, no, two two has been my max. I've seen a very few movies. I've seen maybe a handful of movies two times. I could probably tell you what they are, but I don't think let's let's, ever let's see your, your just give me three that you've seen at least two times in the theater. Uh, Pulp Fiction. God, and, that's a long one too. You got to see that one a second time just to see if you saw what you saw. You know what? And- I, I can tell you right now, all all the ones I can remember are the exact same situation. I went with somebody to see Pulp Fiction and immediately went to like Javier's house or Danny's house and said get dressed, we're going to see Pulp Fiction, right? Like, it was so good, I needed, like, a buddy to see it with me again. Like, I, I wanted to bring somebody okay. else to it. Okay, where well, you were, like, so excited about yes. a film that you wanted to expose somebody else to that film. That's exactly right. They... Now, have you ever had it to where you've taken that person to the film and they weren't and you feel defeated? Uh, no, because I just haven't done it enough, I think, to to make that happen. I, you know, I don't like going to the no. theater to begin with anyway, but... I, I saw The Conjuring and loved it so much, I took some friends just to watch them watch the movie. Yeah. Because there was a lot of really good scares in there. Yeah. Um, I remember the twist ending for The Book of Eli. Like, I saw that movie, and then I immediately took some friends because I wanted to see their reaction to the, the twist ending to The Book of Eli, which is a great ending. Yeah, it is. Um, what else have I seen? I saw um, uh, District 9 twice in the theaters just because I was so overwhelmed with how cool, like, they had done the found footage, you know, yeah. type of film with all the CGI with the aliens and whatnot. So I, I, those are my top three. I think I, uh, Batman, I would assume Titanic. I had to see with my wife. So I slept through it the second time. So technically I didn't watch it a second time. <laughs> you, you were present. So I didn't watch <clears throat> Well, I mean, you know how that one's going to end. Yeah, it's true. I've never seen Titanic. The first time you what? I've never seen, uh, I've also never seen, uh, what was the one you mentioned with your wife? Was that Titanic? 
Titanic, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the ones that you mentioned before that, I hadn't seen either. Book of Eli? No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm thinking of, um, oh, Jesus, you had mentioned it earlier. Oh, it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You said you'd oh, never yeah, seen yeah. it. I'd never seen I've it. I've never either. seen it. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen that movie, so. Um, so anyway, during the trailers, Warren creeps on him a little bit, and uh, he sits down right next to the girls, talks to himself, wraps his arm around her, gets very aggressive, um, it, it, to the point where the girls are so creeped out by him, they eventually change seats. And you're kind of wondering, like, what's going on here? Because he does all this. He makes a scene with these girls, but then he goes to the bathroom, gloves up in the shitter, and climbs out the window and leaves the movie theater. Right. And then I was kind of wondering, like, what is this all about? But then I, over time, like, I kind of figured it out, and I thought it was genius, actually. It was great writing. It was subtle. Um, Lynn's, uh, I have a few notes from Lynn here, too. One of Lynn's notes was, if somebody creeped on me in the theater like that and I moved seats, I'd move behind them, not in front of them, because I'd want to keep my eye on them, which great, is a great, great point. Great self-awareness, right. like situational awareness skill right yep. there. But like, the, the thing I really liked about this scene is when he was talking to the girls, and like you said, he was talking to himself. He was introducing himself like, hey, I'm Warren Stacy. Hi, I'm, I'm Tina, you know, whatever he was saying. But what he did there was give his full name repeatedly, and that was genius because it sets it's you know, he's setting up for later right so he showed his face he was very over over the top so that they wouldn't forget him because he's creating an alibi correct but what a great way to a uh, reason to be giving your full name over and over other than a fake conversation he's having with this girl he's forcing the conversation and that was really smart it was good writing yeah because after he escapes the movie theater, after he gloves up why would you put your gloves on so early i don't know but everybody has to remember too this is well before, I think two years before DNA was accepted as a forensic tool to solve crimes. So, like, everything we talk about is going to be pre-DNA. So, but uh, it's going to drive me nuts because there's everything he did was still fucking wrong. It was, but, but, I but get. The, the, the writing, I think, still was, it, they were thinking ahead a little bit. They didn't have it down pat, but they, they had a, a, they did it right. And it made sense when you're watching it, is what I could say, even if it doesn't make sense logistically. Right. They're trying to create this character that thinks about, you're seeing that he plans his murders, so um, he's manipulative, he's insane, but he's also extremely intelligent. Sharp, Which yeah. you'll see. Yeah, he's sharp. He's trying to stay one step ahead of the police, whatnot. Um, but then... After he escapes the bathroom of the movie theater, it cuts to him exiting his VW bug completely butt ass naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it, it's very jarring to see that. Yeah. To Lynn as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he literally just walks out of his car. He somehow he's found a, a van at a lover's lane where two people are making whoopee. And, uh, well, he, it's the, it's the girl from work that he was, that he had unzipped her dress and that was her boyfriend. Cause he had watched her get in the van, uh, previously in the flashback scene. Right. But how does he know where they're parked? Yeah. I mean, of course you're going to have to suspend some disbelief here. You're assuming he's been casing them or he's been following them around. It doesn't explain that. And it doesn't need to explain that. It was fine. It was fine. How it was. He's just, yeah. he knows that they're in there, they're getting it on and that's his lady right. that he can't I mean, he, he obviously had sussed so. out the, what movie theater be at close enough to get there and back, you know, so you got to just kind of infer a lot of that. And it didn't bother me that, that you had to do that. The, the kills. Now, I talk about it a little bit later, but the kills in this movie are brutal, but not but for the suck. gore. It's not for the gore. No, they, they visually were brutal, suck. But they were boring. Yeah, yeah they, they were, were boring, but boring. The, the, the action of the characters, like the, the acting of the people that were dying was 
good. is what sold them. I mean, you, know uh, what I'm saying? you, you could kind of correlate it to like Psycho, right? Like the shower scene, you don't see the kill, but it was a still a brutal kill it, it, by today's standards. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're right, 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 right. You're right, right. I'm just saying, Psycho. by today's standards, it was a very, it was an off-screen kill that had no blood, no gore, no, no, it didn't show any knife going in, nothing like that. But the, the setup is what makes it good. Uh, but it still was disappointing to me because if you're going to go through and have so much nudity and make this a hard R, I think with a little little bit of help, you could have made these kills something spectacular too and really elevated the movie. Uh, yeah, but all he does is stab people in the stomach. Yeah. And then it's it's on camera, but it's off camera, if you know what I mean. Like, So he, he pretty brutally stabs up the guy that was having the time of his life. The female takes off running. He's able to catch up to her. And she's naked, so that makes it even more... Dude, seeing people just run through the woods completely naked is always just an odd look for me. You know what I'm saying? Because I think back like in the uh, Stephen King books for The Dark Tower, there's a scene where a main character gets in a fight on an airplane. He's completely naked. Just the fact that you're completely exposed, you're at your most vulnerable... And now somebody's chasing you makes it that much more horrific. I was worried about like them stepping on rocks and stuff because they were bare feet. Oh, dude, I would make it like five feet because I can't even walk to my trash can without shoes on, without like completely folding in half when I touch you, man. I'll tell you what, though, man. Full frontal nudity, man and woman, before 10 minutes into the movie, you got a little hats off to that, a little head nod to that. (laughs) Well, did you hear about how he got people comfortable with his nudity? I did, but I'd like to bring that up later if possible. Okay. 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 So, um, Basically, he catches up to her, um, stabs her in the stomach. She dies. But one thing I did notice is, is that she used his name, and they never explained the connection. No, well, but because, like I said, that was the lady from his work that he right. Did but it. you had the flashback scene. But she says his name, which you know, t- in today's films, they would have probably been like, you know, oh Warren, why would you do this to me? I know I turned you down for that one date, right. and we worked together over at the paper factory or whatever. But please don't kill me. They don't do any of that. They just they had the one flashback, and then he call she calls him by his name and he kills her. Yeah, you're you're right. It's up to you to put that together, and it was uh, I think it was done deftly. It was fine. Yeah, um, and then I thought they did a really good job trying to like. Because you've got a guy that's full frontal, so they they really like worked around the dong because there was perfect camera angles to limit like the full frontal male nudity, yep. while not doing the same for the female. Did you notice that? Yeah, you, you did get to. Uh, they were a little more um, liberal with that for sure. So like she's running and she's completely exposed, you know, muff and all running through the woods, and then when you would see him, like his schlong would be perfectly behind a bush or like concealed by a tree something like that so like they were definitely we'll put it this way danny mcbride was definitely not in in charge of this production because i've seen more dick and danny mcbride material the last five years than i've seen the last 40 of my entire life (laughs) i don't know have you seen um have you seen like the righteous gemstones or vice principles or eastbound and down uh yeah all of eastbound and down first season of gemstones and nothing of the vice principles Dude, the Gemstones has a dick in it almost every episode, and Vice Principals had a dick like every other two to three episodes. So. Yeah. Well, it's the shock so, factor, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can't imagine in '83 what people were thinking, but, um, but fresh off the kill, Warren settles back into the theater. That's when you kind of catch what he was doing. But can you recall another serial killer that went through all the trouble of doing almost the exact same thing? No, who was he? Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. 
he would go on a Boy Scout trip with his son. And when all the kids would go to sleep, he would pack his shit up, go back to like a house next to his, kill somebody, and then go back to mm. the campsite just so he could have that alibi. It's like, I didn't kill anybody. I was camping with my son all night. So for, for, um, for Warren Stacy here, were they pulling from just multiple uh, serial killer? Well, uh, this is what this movie obviously was made way before BTK had been discovered. So I think it's just a lot of really good like foreshadowing and maybe talking to somebody who knows serial killers because gotcha. there was a lot of different serial killers combined into this one guy. Okay. Whether subconsciously or consciously, I'm making those connections, but still they're there. Okay. Um, and then he starts macking on those girls again when they're leaving the theater. The one girl has doesn't want anything to do with him, but the other one is trying her best to get a date. Yeah, yeah. She was definitely down the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you know, trying to be cute and charming. And the other girl's basically shutting him down and trying to shut her down too because I think the one girl realizes, like, this dude, there's something wrong. Yeah, it was kind of funny. So, they did good with the dialogue on that. So immediately the entire town, including Wilford Brimley, has descended on the crime scene that they've discovered out in the woods, right? Yeah. Uh, Wilford, Will Brimley's playing Captain Malone, which everybody's going to know him from Dr. Blair and the thing. He was on Kung Fu, Cocoon. He was in the Ewoks, the Battle for Endor. Like, and then I've seen a lot of behind-the-scenes commentary with directors, and they always say Will Brimley's the coolest guy ever. <laughs> uh, you can see it when he talks. I got a cut of him here, too, if you want. Sure. Diabetes, 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 diabetes. I went for a super cut of that. Yeah. So most young youngsters who don't know anything about Will Brimley will definitely know the diabetes joke, right? Everybody knows that, which is a shame because he's a great actor. Oh yeah, yeah, he's awesome, man. Anything you see him in, he's he's got a, a screen presence, is what he has. Good voice. He's got the cool mustache. Good dude. One thing he's not really good at is following police protocols because he f- escorts that reporter right to the crime scene. Yeah, come on, take a look. <laughs> come on in, get your pictures, ask some questions, get your DNA, your footprints, and your fingerprints all over this thing. Let's get this thing muddied up. Uh, why did the reporter ask if both victims were naked? Is that pertinent to the investigation? Yeah. I mean, it's sensational news, dude. It's TMZ. Because <laughs> he, that's literally the, uh, is it true that both victims were found naked? Yeah. And Wilford Brimley's like, diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the only cut I have from him. That's <laughs> the only thing we got. But no, he's like, I won't answer any of those questions. We're still in the preliminary stage. Uh, and it, he should have ended that statement with, and why the fuck would you yeah. ask that question? That's so weird. And also, why am I letting you talk to me right now? Why are you in the crime scene asking me this stupid question? But did you notice that Kessler literally emerged from a tree? Oh, no, that's good. He did. Like, did Wilford Brimley's talking to this guy, it? and all of a sudden, Charles Bronson just pops out from behind a tree. Like uh, <laughs> It's like the opposite of the Homer Simpson bush meme. Nice. Instead of going into the bush, he comes out of it like, uh, did somebody call a detective? <laughs> it's uh, good, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna be trying to do, I've been working on my Charles Bronson a little bit, but it's good. Uh, that's basically the extent of any Charles Bronson dialogue. Oh, uh, hey. Uh, at that point, he's uh, combing the crime scene, and he finds a wad of gum, which he immediately thinks that is evidence, but he's ruined it because he picked it up with his bare fingers. And uh, No, he stuck a pin in it. He stuck it with a pin. Oh, did he? He did, yeah. That's That's way better, I guess. 
Well, he might have been taking a piss behind the tree, so that would have ruined that crime scene too. <laughs> he his own DNA, his liquid DNA all over the tree. Oh, well, you gotta go. You gotta go. Um, That's pretty good. So we we find out that Detective McCann is the one, the rookie uh, homicide detective that stupidly spit it on the ground like an idiot. Yeah. So then we learn that this is clearly his new idiotic partner. So we have the grizzled veteran lieutenant. And the new idiot who doesn't even know how to properly process a crime scene. Much like Cobra and Dirty Harry and a million other movies uh, of yeah, the same. Yeah, we've there. we've seen this one before. Yeah, right. Andrew Stevens plays Detective Paul McCann. Uh, he's a very famous character actor that you have seen on probably everything because he has a very distinctive look that I'd like to say is um, like maybe a mixture of asshole jock or preppy nerd Punisher. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like an older version of uh, of Lorenzo Lamas from Greece or um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little Robert Redford. I guess you could throw that in there. He's got, he, he, but I thought he did well in this movie. Did you like? I liked him in this. It was okay. I mean, yeah. he, he. I just uh, I, I seem to remember him being like a villain on one of those old like Dallas or yeah. Knott's Landing or Dynasty or something back in the day. So the way I remember him is he was always kind of like a condescending asshole. But he's the exact opposite character. But he still has that resting the bitch look. face. Yeah, he's got the look. Yeah, he's got that look of like. Um, I definitely wouldn't hang out with this guy. Probably yeah. he, he wouldn't be my friend for sure. He's got the square jaw, real manly, manly dude. Well, yeah, perfectly quaffed hair. Yeah, uh, he's a prolific producer in real life. Uh, writer, director, acted in Munchie, Strike Back, The Skateboard Kid, and uh, <clears throat> he was also on an episode of The Love Boat. Oh wait, 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 wait! This. The love boat promises something. Could there have ever been a more accurate line portrayed in a song? Promises something for everyone because Love Boat, man, that show had something for everybody. It would have the love story. It would have the scary story sometimes, or it would have the, the have people fighting. It would yeah. have, oh, it was very diverse. Yeah, like it was everything. Yeah. It was almost like uh, Hollywood Squares yeah. on a boat. <laughs> That's a totally that you're totally right. Yep. <laughs> so then it cuts to uh, we get this like uh, a scene. It was an autopsy explanation and some sort of like interpretive dance, performative dance that the guys, I, I don't know why, like I know homicide detectives go to autopsies to view them as they're happening so that they get the information immediately, but I don't know why they would ever show up after the autopsy and have a doctor tell them everything that was in the autopsy report that they could literally just read and the guy doesn't have to tell them everything about it. Just chit chat over the dead body. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, you know, he's, uh, it's a bunch of medical mumbo jumbo and, and, uh, Bronson says what everybody's thinking, like, come on, doc, give us something we can use. Why don't you? And so after, at, at, you know, at that request, he says, well, the girl had type AB blood, which is very uncommon, uh, very unusual for a victim. And the killer probably has a flared up case of the happies. Yeah. I actually got the cut of it. You want the cut? Please. Okay. Um, and I think also dormant hepatitis, which I guess that comes in comes into play later because they have to make sure herpes, that the blood. I think it herpes, was dormant. I thought. I thought it was dormant hepatitis. That was herpes. Either way, it comes into play later, and you'll understand why. But this is part. This was some of the genius writing going on. Was this girl raped, Doc? There's no evidence of forcible entry. I could have told you that, you know. On the basis of what? Well, if anybody does something like this. His knife has got to be his penis. Hmm. Hmm. Is that <laughs> nice? Is that, nice. Is this is this um is this commando with those steel drums? You like that? <laughs> I had to leave that in. 
he literally uh, he's such a he's such a good detective that he's all already like surpassed the FBI profiling unit. Yeah. And he already knows that this guy is an incel <laughs> that uh uses his knife as a penis to um penetrate his victims. Well, I could tell you from watching the scene that there was entry. Yeah, so I don't know how they would I don't know how they would decide if it was forcible or not, but she got entered. Uh, it's, it appears that she's been raped, and the guy who uh, is dead is the suspect. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, right. I think uh, he he raped her, he killed her, and then he killed himself. That's yeah. the only explanation yeah. we have here. They figured it all out. So, yeah. So, anyway, their uh, their medical examiner is worthless, um, and so is her evidence tech. We'll find out later on. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe. All right, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so... We discover a possible reason why that we know now why um, the victim knew Warren's name because she had thrown coffee on him. She had spurred his sexual advances and they clearly work together because he's some sort of like maintenance guy, typewriter repairman at an office space. So he's walking around and all the girls are wondering, you know, what happened to Betty? Like, I can't believe something like that would happen to Betty. And he delivers a typewriter and it happens to be Betty's roommate, Karen. And it's her roommate and her coworker too, right? Yeah. Um, but one of the things I did write down in my notes is this movie, like I said, is not dumbing it down for you. In today's movies, they would have explained all of this to you in dialogue or shown it to you. This one's making you think, you know, um, underneath the surface to kind of figure out what's happening. And that's really cool, man. No, like, you're, you're putting it together. They don't think the audience are, st- are stupid idiots. Right, you know? right. You're putting this together along with the detectives, and I think they gave you just enough to make the connections, not too much, not too little. And that was very surprising to me. I didn't expect that going into it. Yeah. So then it cuts to, so also you have that, that connection now. That now, a, now we have the connection between Karen and, and Warren, right? Um, obviously, he has his eyes on her, too, because anytime he gets around a an attractive woman, in any capacity, he, he immediately makes them a target. And that was an office full of honeys. So he had a whole... It was a honey pot, yes. A whole, like, all women. It was like a journalist or something. I don't know what they were doing there. A bunch of typewriters. Typing. But there was lots like of type. Warren and about 20 models is basically what was working there. Yeah, and all in their, like, turtleneck sweaters, all very 80s looking. Yeah, hair all feathered out. And feathered poofy, hair, yeah. crimped, and yeah. Um, so then it cuts to now Paul and Leo are getting to know each other a little bit. And I thought this was interesting because, uh, McCann talks about himself the entire time. Yeah. And Leo talks about his previous cases all the time. So they're trying to show you like this guy's so new, he doesn't even have a file cabinet of, of old stories to tell. And Kessler has so many, he doesn't even have to talk about himself because he lets his work speak for, for him. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, here's all you have to know about me. I solve cases and here's all the cases I've solved. Yeah, the younger so guy's they, almost trying to prove himself a little bit to the older guy, I think. Yeah, you got to peacock it a little bit to sh- show your worth, right, to this guy. Right. To show that you're going to be a good partner. But it's just weird because one talks about having to turn off your emotions, and the other one's like, well, you're a cop. That's inherently what we do. So this guy's still trying to figure out how to do that, and he already knows how to do that. Right. So they're headed to make a death notification, and then you get um, the the most Oscar-worthy performance that Charles Bronson could muster yeah. because eventually when McCann tells Leo the name of the victim and the family they're going to notify, he's like, Oh geez, God, no. I almost because, took a cut. Yeah. <laughs> oh geez. God, no. Yeah. I know that family. So 
the victim was a friend of Kessler's daughter, Lori. And so he knows the parents and he has to go make this notification that she is now deceased. And dude, the fact that the parents were so happy when he opened the door, just made it, it was like Scott's tots from fucking the office. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, like, I was like, Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Like the, the dad opens the door. It looks like he's been on an all night bender. He's like, Oh Leo, I should have got good seat up for you. Hey, come on in, grab some coffee. And, hey honey, Leo's here. He's got good news for us. I yeah. think. It can only be great news. <laughs> it can only be great news when a police officer you haven't seen in months shows up to your doorstep at seven in the morning. <laughs> I do. I do have an issue with this scene, though. Uh, and I'll, I, I, I'll I'll try to explain it the best I can. But I had a problem with it. He didn't realize the victim was his daughter's best friend. They say best friend a couple times, by the way. So yeah. not not after going through her identification, not after seeing her dead on the table. It took her parents' address for him to figure out that he knew the girl. Oh geez. Oh no. Oh no. Dear God. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> Oh, I so, can't believe I'm gonna have to do this. So, so he 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 doesn't recognize her from like looking at her or her name or anything. Okay. Full he disclosure, buddy. Yeah, I know you've got two boys, but I have a daughter. And there's so many during her school career. There were so many different people here all the time. It was just constantly different girls all the time coming in. And like my daughter, I'll mention a friend's name. Oh, I'm going over to this person's house. I'm like, who's that? It's like, Dad, you've seen her like a hundred times at the house. And I'm gonna go do this with this person. Who's that? <laughs> but but would you recognize them better by hearing the address of their parents' house? Oh, good call. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, see what I'm saying? That's the key to him. I didn't. Oh, I like, didn't buy that. H- Haley's been murdered. Who's that? Well, uh, the girl that lives at you know six four two nine. No, not her living Frost there. Street. Her oh, parents. No, <laughs> not her living there, Doc. Her parents <laughs> living there. She Sorry, lived that's at the even girl's. like further removed. <laughs> so uh, that uh, was you, my you, issue. <laughs> You don't remember Tia? No, I don't remember Tia. It, her parents live over across the street from the cemetery. Oh, oh. oh Tia. Yeah, oh, the one with her parents live but on 626 Main Street? I got you. In fact, like, you know, after gymnastics, I would always have to drop these kids off after, you know, sports functions and shit. Maybe I would. <laughs> You're right. Maybe I would. I just thought that was kind of a leap from a daughter's best friend not even recognizing her, her face or her, her name. He didn't recognize her name off the identification. He recognized her parents' house. That was odd. To uh, me. I think I had dinner with them once on a uh, Thanksgiving Here, let me, dinner. Let me do my Charles Bronson. Let me do mine. Hold on. I got to grizzle up my voice for that. <clears throat> oh, no. Not Main Street. <laughs> That's pretty much what he said. Dear God, no. Jeez. He says, oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then it cuts right from that. We don't actually see the notification because I don't think I could have bared that. Um, and probably the actor's playing that role couldn't muster up. I, I don't, I don't think it was necessary. It probably would have been downhill. You don't need to see any more emotion for sure. <laughs> like you already know it's going to be terrible. Yeah, it's going to be bad news. So, uh, uh, Paul and Leo interview Betty's friend, Karen. And, uh, just out of curiosity, how many people you think are naming their kids Karens these days? Probably not as many as before. I got a really good friend named Karen and I've, uh, mercilessly teased her about that on, you know, How's that uh, feel? My cousin, one of my favorite cousins in the world is named Karen. And man, I can't imagine what she's going through now. Yeah. That's but be they right. talk to her about, you know, Betty clearly, but then they also ask about Betty's body count, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I can't imagine like how many people do you think she's slept with over the years? Well, who's I- her, who's her most current sexual partner? Can you explain the sexual uh, fetishes that she may have had? 
He, Can you tell me what's her favorite <laughs> sexual position? This is really getting very personal here. When she started rattling off that laundry list of names, he found out real quick his daughter's best friend was a hoe for show. Because <laughs> that lady was like, oh, it's Todd and Terry and Jim. And she had their last names. She was rattling through them like, whoa. She gave a couple of handies to, to uh, Leroy. And then uh, I, I know one time she uh, soaked with a couple of guys oh, over God. at the Mormon camp. <laughs> Yeah, she, she had that lady's full sexual history memorized. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah, it was bad. So um, in typical serial killer MO, old Warren decides to attend Betty's funeral. Yeah. And uh, he's apparently taken a liking to Kessler's daughter, too, Lori, who is portrayed by Lisa L. Becker, uh, who, fun story, she auditioned for the role of Princess Leia. <laughs> nice. Hey, you know what? She might have been able to pull it off. I thought she was great in this. I, I thought she was oh, yeah, excellent. She did a great job. I, yeah, she was I, in An Officer and a Gentleman, Beverly Hills Cop, which has a sequel coming to Netflix. Which I could not believe. Yeah. Were those movies popular enough 30 something years ago to create a sequel? I mean, the I stuff guess Eddie, Eddie Murphy's, Murphy's been was. doing lately hasn't been doing that great. Yeah. Does he have some sort of contract with Netflix or something? Dude, at the time, Eddie Murphy was hot as hell. So, I, you know, yeah, but now looking back, I, I tried to watch that with Lynn the other day. She's not even interested in seeing it. I was like, yeah, I, th- I remember it being funny, but does it hold up? Who knows? Uh, I only, I, I've never seen either Beverly Hills Cop. I can recall the music was amazing. The soundtrack, yeah, it was. right? Which was a big thing in the eighties, like having a banging soundtrack to yeah. sell with the movie. But also I remember the old banana in the tailpipe trick that my yep. brother and his friends would, you know, quote incessantly over the years. Right. I won't fall for the banana in the tailpipe trick, but I have no idea the context of that statement. Well, I, I would say that lady, the Lisa, is it Iobacher? Is her name? Lori, Lori Kessler, Elbacher. I thought that I thought the problem with her character, I'll just get this out of the way early. I thought the problem with her character was that they they made her too wishy-washy, where in the same scene she would be mad, charming, happy, and then sad. But I don't blame her for that. I, I think that she sold the role and I think she was really good in it. And I I, I really genuinely enjoyed her her um as an actress, but I didn't like the way she was written. I think I thought they had her waffling left and right too much during every conversation she would go from like condescending to to grateful and it really flirtatious and then angry and uh thank god she never made it on the police force because i think she would be a dirtier cop than uh charles because when when charles bronson loses her loses his job for being a dirty cop she's like fuck that mccann guy kill that yeah yeah for sure kill kill him right i think she actually said i hope he dies yeah she was a little but you know what man again i don't blame her for the way the character was written, I I'd still think she sold it, and and that's tough. I mean, this is a canon film, bro. You know what I mean? We're we're not mm-hmm. talking, you, you know, yeah. So they probably had a budget of like four. I think they did have a budget of around four million or something. That's I don't know. Not bad, I guess. Uh, I do have the special edition Blu-ray coming that should have some. Uh, I've made it a habit. If we watch a movie on the show, I'm trying to buy it in physical copies. Oh, cool. So I have it. That's but cool. I'm also trying to get them before we do it so I can get the behind the scenes stuff about it. But I didn't get it on this one. So that'd be cool. I apologize. You should put them like um, on a special bookshelf all in order, one through whatever, and then take a, you know, take a nice picture and use that. That'd be really cool. Oh yeah, I'll do that. That'd be cool. Absolutely. I, I will. Um, it will be hard for me to purchase the bad batch on DVD because that movie's terrible. Uh, sinful dwarf harder to find than you might think. I looked for it the other day. I already own it. Already oh, on it. Well, nice. Good for you. Yeah. So uh, throw it away. during the scene at the funeral, while while uh, Stacy's kind of being a weirdo, uh, McCann and Lori are being a bit, you know, they're coming on to each other a little bit. And they have a little silly, you know, conversation where they're trying to see if they can hit it off. They had this running gag where she keeps saying he doesn't look like a cop. Yeah. 
um, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, you don't look like a nurse. And she's like, what does a nurse look like? And he's like, well, what does a cop look like? So, and so that, you know, that, we're building a relationship, right? We're building a connection here, which is, you know, awkward conversations routinely how people start off their relationships, just trying to get to know each other. That uh, scene right there is when Lynn uttered the words, the dialogue in this movie sucks. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> There's the first Lynn take. <laughs> there we go. And it does kind of, it does, it's done, it's fine. But if you listen to the words they're saying, she's like, you don't look like a cop. And he's like, is that good or bad? She's like, I didn't say it's good or bad. I said, it looks like, you know, it's it's kind of repeating the question back to each other. It's not super deep, but it, but it is done well enough that you're understanding the relationship that's forming. So I think it still served its purpose. Well, Well, I knew, I knew eventually they would you know, somewhat be a couple, right. I guess, but well, they're the, the worst couple in any movie. The ever. score leads you to it anyway, any, cause anytime the score would tell you if something bad was going to happen with the dun, 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 or something lovely was going to happen. It would have the little piano jingling. So, you know, you, you knew right away that there was going to be a love interest between these That's two. That's the job of the score, right? It's to set that yeah. mood. So, uh, at the funeral also, Betty's dad reveals that she had a diary and uh, unfortunately, while he's talking about that, Warren hears it. Yeah. And basically, he's like, uh, this diary's got all of her sordid details of her her uh, deviant sexual encounters with people. It'll tell us everything so, we need to know about the killer. <laughs> listen, she's going to speak from the grave through her diary and let us solve this heinous crime. Yeah. Um, but then what's crazy is, like, Lori recognizes that and, like, has a short encounter with him and realizes immediately, like, this dude is no good. Yeah. And he's also, he's almost like an autistic Patrick Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? He is, dude. Like, yeah. He, he <laughs> is like, he's got a touch of the tism. Yeah. And he's, he's on the spectrum for sure. Um, and then it cuts immediately to Warren breaking into Betty's house to grab that diary. Yeah. You know, they- but okay. So just so everybody knows, uh, we've already talked about the fact that he commits his murders naked, but he likes to, he likes to, commit his burglaries fully clothed. Well, he does end up getting naked in there though the, the, for the he, kill, he but does, not the burglary. Because while he's trying to break into the drawer, um, you get a very giallo type scene because Karen comes home unexpectedly from the funeral, immediately gets naked, puts on her bathrobe and starts making an egg sandwich. And the entire time you're wondering if, uh, Warren got out of the house or if he's still in there. Well, she finally goes to the bedroom and he's hiding in the closet and it's very giallo. Like you get that Halloween type Warren POV shot where he's, Ogling her from the closet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With the breathing. And and Karen is played by um, uh, Playboy Playmate of the Month, Gina Kyo. Fun fact, too, she was a ZZ Top girl. I thought she did great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I thought she was great. I think all the um, supporting characters in this, I had no problem with. They were all good. And then, uh, so she's cooking her egg sandwich, and naked Warren surprises her and strikes again with another knife to the gut. Way too much time on cooking that sandwich. I saw I saw the ingredients. I know how long she cooked it for, how long she warmed up the pan for. Um, and also way too much time on that, that drawer that, that the diary was locked in. Because the, the issue oh, was when he went to get the, the diary. Thing you could break with a Q-tip. Bro, you could have kicked that thing apart faster than he, than he unlocked. That was an Ikea-level uh, nightstand. But it had a lock on it. The whole reason that he got stuck in there was when he first got in, he couldn't break through the lock. That's why he had to hide because she got home quick. So now once she's murdered and he's naked again, he goes back to working on this drawer for way uh, longer than it took her to make a sandwich. He works on this drawer. And I'm thinking, man, just just pick it up and smash it on the ground, dude. It's not, it's balsa like wood. At this it's, point, you're wasting a lot of valuable time. You're going to get caught. Then I remembered it's a Canon film and we do need a certain amount of minutes. So I kind of understood what was going on. 
So do you think stabbing somebody in the gut, they would die immediately? Do these, have these people, have has every single one of these victims lost their will yeah, to live? Because instantly. he stabs them one time in the gut and they're just like, why? Mm. What? I, I, I mean, didn't, yeah. I, I didn't mean, that, would, that would cause a lot of discomfort, dude. Like stabbing somebody in the stomach isn't like an instant death sentence. Like you're going to suffer because all your stomach acids are going to come out of your stomach into your organs and whatnot. And it's going to be infected and it's going to be ugly, but it's going to take a minute. It didn't. I, I didn't nitpick that, but it also goes back to what I said in the beginning. I think you could have spent less time on that drawer and the egg salad sandwich and more time on just a couple upping the value of the kills a little bit more. I mean, if, you, if you're going to yeah. go dark with it, go go dark. Give me something a little bloodier, a little gruesome. Um, like while he's killing her, somebody's trying to get in the house, and that's what's causing the tension. But uh, joke's on him. The diary's not in there. Somebody's already got it. Yeah. It's the, and relocked it, an empty which drawer is, with an empty which box. Which is pretty quick because they told, her, they told the detectives about the diary. At and the he funeral, immediately went yeah. to the house and broke in. And she's not even back from the funeral yet. And the police have already been there, opened the secured drawer, taken the diary out, secured the drawer back, and now they have it in their possession. With, without her being there. They, they got in and yeah, did all yeah. that without her. <laughs> well, I guess There's the daughter... The daughter could have had the key, or they, he, he had, you know, there is a lot fine. of subterfuge in this movie where they're doing stuff, and you're you're wondering like, is that even within the scope of your job? Can you do this? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of that later. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, Paul and Leo catch up to to uh, Warren and question him, and uh, they bring oh, they go to his apartment and they bring the diary with him. So they bring instead of like taking it to the substation or to the headquarters, photocopying every page and using the copied pages as a reference they literally take the piece of evidence around everywhere with yeah where where paul can spill his frappuccino on it at any moment and ruin all the yeah. evidence or a hot dog mustard or something yeah. like they could ruin but anyway they they reveal some very personal details of her love life with him yeah right and and other men they're like yeah. well, they're talking about all of her sex capades and at one point she gets to the point where she's like uh or Paul, I'm sorry, Leo reads something from the uh, diary. It's like, this guy's such a creeper. His breast stinks. He has uh, psoriasis and tetter, terrible dandruff. I would never date him in a million years. Even if my vagina fell out, uh, you know, I would prefer to date a rabid dog than this guy. And like, who do you think they're talking about yeah. there, Warren? Yeah. He's like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> And Bronson's like, guess what? It's Warren Stacy. Dump, dump, dump. She hated your guts. And of course, he reciprocates. Well, she was just a dirty whore anyway. That <laughs> it's, it's what I would have done too. <laughs> Fuck that bitch. I didn't like her anyway, dude. She's a lesbian. <laughs> Same thing I would have done. <laughs> Pincushion is what they call it around the office. Uh, yeah. What's funny is like, his justification for everything he did was like, well, can't somebody mourn in peace? Can a guy take a walk or go see a movie? You know, yeah. everything was like, I I'm mourning my friend being killed, but she was just a dirty whore. So fuck that bitch. Yeah. But he did what? a really good job of, um, he, they portray him as slightly ahead of the cops. And I think it came through in the questioning. He had an answer for everything. He was pretty calm and collected. Uh, he twisted the dialogue when they would try to trap him. And I thought, I thought that worked well for the character in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he's a manip manipulative type serial killer, right. so he's trying to control the investigation, right? right? So he wants to. While they're questioning him, he's also trying to obtain as much information as possible too, so he can plan accordingly. Um. So at this point, Leo goes to drop a piss and conduct an illegal search of Warren's bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And while he's doing this, McCann is basically tricking Warren into re revealing he speaks Spanish, which is one of the clues that. Karen gave them, I think, is that, hey, Betty dated this guy, 
and uh, she hated his guts. And I don't know his name, but all I know is he would constantly speak Spanish to her. I think no, it was uh, it wasn't a guy she dated. It was a guy that she said would call and talk dirty to her with a Spanish accent that she had never mm. met, but but that she um, would re- frequently receive like a you know the the what are they called? Dirty, dirty call, yeah, dirty calls or whatever. Yeah. That used to be a thing, everybody. Yeah. Believe it or not. People would call up ladies and just talk dirty to them and get off, get their rocks off on that shit. I don't know what's stopping me now, but yeah, it used to happen. So can you <laughs> call her ID? Yeah, like that, that's that probably shit. it. Like call her ID, fucking fucking Bingo, call her. ruined like, it for everybody. <laughs> everybody. Um, so while Kessler's searching his bathroom, he finds some pretty gnarly things in there. You oh want to talk God. about that? Yeah, he found what I put down in my notes is the uh, first prototype Gluck Gluck 9000 because it's like a, it's like a, that's a, that's a very peculiar looking pocket pussy there. A, um, well, it definitely in a, in a pot for your pocket because the thing was as big as a weed whacker. So it had like this huge motor on it. It's a tally whacker. <laughs> the motor was the size of an outboard motor on a boat. <laughs> attached to like it had the it had the head of like a golf club it's huge dude it was this huge contraption that would take two people to hold up and it was it had this um you know latex looking sleeve if you will uh you know a sock it's a fleshlight basically is what it was but um receptacle dude i had never and what was what movie what was this 80 or 83 83 yeah i wouldn't even have guessed that was around in 83 this is something you had to plug into like a 220 volt like your dryer. <laughs> you want me to stick my junk in where? Yeah. That, what? Uh, <laughs> We're putting liquid liquid discharge and electrical uh, circuits <laughs> together. And Lynn, right away, dude, when we were watching, Lynn's like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, I was like, "Just it's for jacking off, isn't it?" I was like, "It's just." <laughs> <laughs> but what's crazy uh, is uh, we don't know this, but. It, he steals that thing late. We find out later on he stole that thing from <laughs> He held it way too close to his face, too. <laughs> and he uses it for evidence. <laughs> he, hey, man, I ain't touching nothing. He touched it way too much. He was too. He was way too uh, familiar with that machinery. Glo- like, listen, Warren Stacy's wearing gloves on crime scenes, and oh. definitely Kessler should be gloved up for that. Oh, ugh. my Ugh. Uh, did I? Was there also just a dash of gay porn in that banya? Okay, that's that's a interesting thing you said. I thought that that was a woman with short hair. Lynn thought it was a man, but I couldn't tell. It's such a quick uh, cut. That was. I'm pretty sure that was a man, like standing naked. It was some like poster or something. Like a. I thought it was like a magazine that was open on the top of Maybe, the. Yeah, it was just like taking up the whole screen. I was just like, geez, okay, so there's that. Okay, a little bit of that in there. Um, so while they're at his house. Uh, stealing his sexual toys. Uh, they are notified that Karen is now a ghost, so they head to that scene. Yeah. And then when they get there, just like in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, they're uh, interviewing Karen's boyfriend like 10 feet from Karen's freshly killed body. Yeah. <laughs> they're letting him smoke a cigarette and stomp around in there. <laughs> like, listen, I know your girlfriend's dead right over there. Even Will Brimley tells him, like, we know you didn't do it, buddy. Yeah, because they want to take him down to the station. He's like, dude, for what? She was my girl. <laughs> Well, we've got to get your statement, and we know you didn't do it. So yeah. uh, clearly, our investigation is flawed because we're focusing on one person prematurely and not um, expanding our net to make sure we get all suspected uh, individuals. Yeah, that's all right, though. Yeah. That's okay. So whatever, whatever, whatever. We know who the bad guy um, is, and so does Kessler, so we're good. So immediately, they go back to the interrogation room, and guess who's in there? 
warn Stacy. He's already in the interrogation room after they found. Like they have no evidence. He's got a he's got a rock solid alibi, and uh, he's already in there. So Leo tightens the screws on him a little bit and brings up his juvenile record. Right? Yeah. And his juvenile record has like typical serial killer activity. Uh, dead animals breaking. It basically, some girl scorned him, so he killed a dead animal, committed a burglary, and threw it in her house. Right. So he's committed violence. He's got dead animals, uh, burglaries. Uh, we haven't hit on the bedwetting or arson just yet, but we're getting there. Not There's yet. plenty of that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then, while they're interviewing him about Karen and whatnot, um, can you explain to me how they found those two witnesses from the movie theater so quickly? It's 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 like there's no, I don't even know if it's needed though. But the transitioning in this movie went basically from like crime scene to crime scene to police station. There was no let's go find these girls or even who these girls are. How would he get their names? So he just told them in the apartment that he was at Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, made fun of them because they didn't know who starred in the movie, and uh, he told them about the girls, and they were able to locate those girls almost immediately. Which in 1983. With no cell phone GPS. No computers? No video surveillance, you know, cameras to look at. Mm. Not good ones anyway. Um, no credit card information to pull up about who bought tickets for that movie on that date. They're literally using cash, two random girls showing up to the movie theater, and they're able to locate them. Yeah. And bring them back and do a very lack- lackadaisical job of police work because um, while he's doing the show up, showing the two v- Two girls. Is that the guy you saw at the movie theater? He's talking shit about them. Yeah. At the movie the, theater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that one girl was a little portly. She wasn't really my thing. And yeah. the other one, she was talking way too much. And the girls are just looking at each other like this motherfucker. Just, just like me, dude. I'm telling you, the minute she wasn't interested, oh, she's a lesbian for sure, 100. I, I, I knew that the minute I opened my, she opened her mouth. <laughs> Clam shucker. Like yeah. she, she's definitely not for me. Yeah. Like those scorn dudes that you know, the incels that have never been able to. Uh, have any sort of relationship with a woman because as soon as somebody says anything off-putting, they immediately hate them. Yeah. Instead of trying to fix themselves, it's always somebody else's problem. No, I grew right. up with a couple guys that, I mean, exactly what you're talking about. The minute that they were rejected, oh, that bitch stinks. <laughs> the, the minute I'm talking, he was in love five seconds before and five seconds after the rejection, she's the dirtiest chick in the world. Oh, what a hooer. Yeah. So. At this point, Leo really turns up the heat, and he basically calls out Warren like a, a virgin loser nerd. Yeah. Not in those exact words, but he's he's trying to rile him up. And uh, he accuses him of being a serial masturbator and whips out Warren's used pocket pussy. <laughs> like, look, <laughs> I got this from your house. It, without gloves, I might add. He's shaking so it in he's his still face. Handling this thing. He had it in his pocket. Like, <laughs> Not his pocket, dude. That was a full-size duffel bag. That thing's huge. <laughs> oh, God. And then... When the guy gets mad, Leo starts roughing him up, literally. Yeah. <laughs> like, just starts shoving his face towards the murder pictures. Like, how does that elicit a response that's in the positive for you? It's great. So, you know, everybody jumps in, separates Leo from Warren. Warren threatens to kick his ass, rightly so. He walks out of the uh, interview room. And that that's when the DA berates Kessler in, like, the most 80s cop movie fashion. Like, you're a loose cannon. You're yeah. going to ruin this case. Yeah. Tampered <laughs> evidence. Yeah, yeah. like the DA's just not having He's like, we don't have enough to, to, to hold him. He's like, what are you talking about? I know he did it. It's like, okay, explain to me in clear, concise terms and it, you know, provide the information that that will help support your, your claim, and then maybe I can do something. But just saying I know he did it is not enough. Yeah. It, it's okay. It's fine. Like, it's, 
it's what the movie it's they at least they're consistent throughout the movie we could give them that at least but this is before we even know that the guy's like stalking his daughter yeah so we're still in the very early stages and this guy is just like lasers focus on Warren for this crime. Yeah. He's definitely not open to any other, um, investigation for the killing. He's no, he's like, stuck. This is the guy. So I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Okay. Some, some other stuff that I had an issue with, uh, Lori is able to bring a picture of Warren to the station and reveals that she saw him at the funeral and that Betty was scared of that guy. So now we've put that piece together. Like the, the creeper that speaks Spanish that constantly calls and scares Betty, this is a picture of the guy because Lori knows that this is the guy that Betty didn't like because he scared her. Yeah. Right. So I, I guess there's more Lori time, but <clears throat> Warren gets back to doing what he does best, which is uh, stalking girls and watching them. So this time he's like stalking the girls at the, um, the college, the nursing college where she's a student at. Where Kessler's daughter is a student at. Yeah, Kessler's daughter Lori is a nursing student at this hospital that has a dorm. And so he's actually like watching all the nurses and picking up their patterns now. Yeah. And then um that's when Lori actually or Warren actually cat calls, a legitimate cat call to, to Lori because he basically says he wants to eat her pussy on the phone. <laughs> yeah. His his uh his Spanish accent was not passable. It was uh, very suspect no? and uh not good. Not rolling those R's good enough? Here, here's base here's kind of what it sounded like to me. Oh yeah, narco. You like busting dope dealers. It was it was that level of Hispanic accent. That, uh, it, My name did, is Jeb. Is that <laughs> was that from uh, Twenty One Jump Street? Twenty Two Jump Street. <laughs> Twenty Two Jump Street. Right at the like, beginning. When Cheech, when Cheech gets stuck in uh, born in East LA trying to teach like Chinese people how to speak Spanish, was sapening. It's <laughs> pretty much that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, it was a blast from the past because I remember, I remember those prank calls where people would call you up and just say terrible things oh, yeah. on the phone. Yeah. Been on both always- sides of that. Been on the receiving end and the giving end. Yeah. Picking up that phone was always a crapshoot. You never know what you were going to get on an eighties yeah. phone back yeah. in the day. Like a box of chocolates. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the next day at the hospital cafeteria, um, Kessler chats his daughter up and grabs a gross lunch. That was, dude, seriously, that was like the old person lunch from yep. hell. Terrible. He goes to the cafeteria and he orders, he picks up a bowl of coleslaw and a quiche. Ugh. Oh, my God. Which, <laughs> which is funny because his daughter's like, Dad, is that all you're getting for lunch? Coleslaw and quiche? He's like, quiche? I hate quiche. I thought this was a pie. <laughs> and coleslaw makes me sick. It's like... <laughs> Have any of those like little placeholders that say what what you're grabbing off the line? There is it just hey, like man, you got to guess. I'm not riding in the car. Is he over at Furs? Just I'm not riding in the car with him after eating quiche and, and Coltslaw. That's for sure. <laughs> Did you happen to read the story about him after this movie premiered? No. About what? So, so one of the producers after the movie premiered decides to take uh, Charles Bronson and his wife out for sushi. So they go to the sushi restaurant. And Charles Bronson is just in a terrible fucking mood. Just he's not feeling it, right? And the producer finally tells him, like, "Hey, man, uh, nothing for nothing, but it's a great movie, and I think it's going to do well in the theater." And he goes, uh, "My attitude has nothing to do with the sushi, or it has nothing to do with the movie. I hate sushi." Yeah, <laughs> yeah he Charles Bronson don't play that, man. He he's he's, he's a, a meat potato he's a meat potatoes fella. He ain't playing that. Take him to a Brazilian barbecue for God's yeah. sake. You don't take him to sushi. Yeah, he drinks his just coffee. Just imagine black. a dour Charlie Bronson just sitting there with his arms crossed with his glass of water, just looking at fresh fish everywhere. Like, ugh. That's oh, all I can God. imagine him as in any situation. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez, jeez. So anyway, um, so that's when Lori bitches about 
uh, to McCann about her dad never being there for her or mom. Uh, he was too busy. Like, I guess he was too busy winning awards and being a great cop to yeah. do anything with his family at all. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot of cops that are like that. Anyway, um, so once he says he's going to try and do better, she gets so cheered up that she decides to invite McCann to a party. See, that's 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 what I'm talking about. Where at first she's she's mad at McCann for sticking up for for Leo, right? She's like, "Why are you sticking up for him? He's a horrible dad." Blah blah blah. He's like, "Look, he's a good cop." So she's super aggravated. And in the very ne- in the very seconds later, she's like, "Hey, do you want to come to a party with me?" Which it was too abrupt of a switch of a character switch for me. Um, and she did it a lot, and that 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 was a sticky point for me. Yeah, she just a uh, very bipolar. Yeah, all well, over written the place. written like that way, you know, not her. But 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 then she reveals after all of this, out of all this personal complaints, uh, a very big piece of the puzzle. She reveals that she got a phone call from a Spanish Pepe Le Pew the day before. Yeah, the, you had it in your notes too. That's crazy. I did have Good it, job. dude, because he sounded like a like. Uh, just imagine an X-rated Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. But instead of French, it was Spanish. Maybe not I even Spanish. It could be whatever because it's English. Yeah, it was, yeah, I it was bad. Like, um, uh, what is that? Rosetta Stone Spanish. I mean, it could have been French because it sounded so bad. It could have been either. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but but then immediately Paul changes his mind, and they don't tell you the reason he changes his mind is he knows that there's a creeper stalking her. So oh, I, he I go to the party with her, and then he can also protect her. I right? I, infer, that, I inferred I that right away. Say again? I inferred that right away. Like I knew exactly yeah, why he accepted. Like, yeah, he was going with her because he needed to protect her. Because they look. At, he looks at Kessler as soon as she says it, and he's like, "You know what? I think I will go to that party." So it's it's yep. okay. And Kessler just kind of nods, like, "Yeah, right. yeah, Make go sure sleep with her. my daughter." Yeah, thank you. So he goes back to the nurse's dorm. He sets up like a recording device, and he's like, "Keep them talking for as long as you can." And I'm thinking, like, okay, when are we going to talk about the GPS? Yeah, or the, local, the triangulation. Local but they never talk about that. They just want to keep him talking as long as they can, so they can compare his voice to the voice of the of Warren. Right? Yeah, and That's what here's here's my police do. issue radio. Why don't you guys keep this? Don't use it for. <laughs> that has to be a policy violation, right? Don't you don't use this for anything else for sure. <laughs> I mean, I know it's his daughter, but I can't think of anybody that would leave like a controlled piece of property like that. Because I mean, she does have a phone; she can call nine one one, right? I mean, it she, wasn't even Leo that left it; I'm, it was Paul. It was it wasn't even the daughter. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying yeah. though. But he did it because it was Paul's or Leo's nah, daughter. Nah, that don't fly. No way. Yeah. Also, wasn't I mean, it also this? unnecessary to the story? By the way, it didn't. It didn't pan out. Never paid out. Yeah, yeah it never paid so out because matter. when something happened, they still called on the telephone. Yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah. So what's crazy too is why wouldn't Leo just let his daughter stay with him for a while? Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, what ifs going on in terms of what they let her do, knowing that she's being stalked and killed. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so now we, we go to the party. It's got some of the worst dancers I've ever seen in my life because everybody's literally just jumping up and down to uh, like that party music, music that party music i took a cut of because it was so bad the, no one has any rhythm whatsoever and it's partly because the music sucks I tell, think, tell right? me what this guy's even saying because to me it sounds like uh you know those voices in like the sims games that's like not real english it's just kind of like like charlie brown's teacher yeah tell me what this guy's saying here listen to this What the shit is that? That song is undanceable, dude. What was he saying? And then I <laughs> What? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly, exactly what that was. Yeah, so no wonder nobody could knew what to do with that. Like 
could somebody tell the DJ to play something good? You think? What the hell was that song? Is that even a song? Is that? Yeah, no, it was I in the movie. I didn't look it up. Somewhere. Yeah. Uh, in a three's company moment, uh, McCann hears somebody, mo- a woman moaning. Yeah. So he immediately <laughs> thinks like, uh, I guess he's never had sex before either. Cause he hears a woman moaning in ecstasy and he immediately thinks she's being slaughtered. <laughs> it was funny though. Um, it, it was funny. It was. So he good. busts in on a dude's butthole. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> it's filmed from behind and the guy's a missionary. <laughs> and as soon as he gets up, he like bends his knees and the whole, old taint and every, like old, everything you shouldn't be seeing of a man just like hops off of her and he's like immediately uh carry on with the plan of the day uh sorry about that just keep on doing and the guy actually like pushes he does the girl back down he does him. he tries to go back to it <laughs> <laughs> and so they're so embarrassed there's so much shame involved in what he just did they decided to leave the party which uh i could feel that like i would have done that yeah too. it was a good it was a good scene man it was even funny when he was sweating his ass off when he was dancing and the gun thing like that, oh, that dude, whole scene was, was hilarious bro. Yeah. it was a good scene even lynn, lynn laughed out loud during that scene she thought it was hilarious <laughs> she liked it he did get a good night kiss though a little yeah. good night kiss no, was in order for that. well he was talking like two inches from her face the whole time lynn's like who toots who talks that close to somebody i don't talk that close to you like, the sweat the? was like falling down into his mouth and just like slapping it all over him. yeah Oh, that was the saltiest kiss I've ever had. Oh, oh thank you. So uh, the creeper calls again. This time he's got jokes, though. Yeah, <laughs> that is Peter. <laughs> What's your name? She's like trying to goad him into giving, because as soon as they get back to her dorm room, he calls. And so McCann's like, keep him talking. He does a rolling thing with his finger, like keep him yeah. talking. Yeah. And she's like, What's your name, big guy? And he's like, I'm Pedro, which is Spanish for Peter, which is the bi- which I have the biggest one. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> Yeah. So you're waiting uh, for the the riff, so, like the guitar, the uh, drum riff. Rat, <laughs> wow! <laughs> I need to get that like a like a, a faster notice so I can do like I need those faster. Yeah, because it was a terrible joke, but it was also uh, the guy's got no sense of humor, so he's doing the best he can with his uh, psychotic demeanor yeah. i guess yeah so what's funny is like now it cuts to kessler and mccann talking and they just for the life of them can't figure out how to catch this guy now is there anything you could think of that they haven't done yet that they could possibly do to solve this case or to uh, gather evidence is there anything you can think of that's the most it's probably the oldest police tactic that we've ever had in, in the world of policing in, in america how about a good old-fashioned stakeout would that do anything surveillance yeah like okay. just you put a team on her dorm and you put a team on his house and you see what happens right it might work dude i can think of like a recent case where they've used this tactic to catch somebody have you heard about this guy kidnapped a 12 year old girl and so there was a team staking out the victim's house and they the guy walked up and put a ransom note in their mailbox and they caught him that way. Oh they saw God. him, they got his license plate, they got his DNA and fingerprints off the letter and they caught him that way. <laughs> Super simple, right? Warren Stacy's much too crafty for them. I guess. Well, they're just not smart. Enough. But also, have you ever heard of Wayne Williams? No. He was the uh, Atlanta child murder suspect. And they staked out 12 bridges around Atlanta because they surmised that the next victim would be dumped off a bridge into the river. And while they were doing the surveillances on those bridges, the stakeouts, a patrol officer heard a splash into the river and he saw a car, got the license plate. They were able, he was able to ID Wayne Williams as a driver. And then like two days later, they found the body that he dumped like downstream from the bridge. 
So they were able to catch him that way by surveilling bridges. So literally, like, instead of stealing evidence from the suspect's apartment and doing all the stuff that Kessler does, they, they had they had the means and the tools to, to solve it. They just didn't. Well, he did surveillance, but he did it at the wrong time. He did it after he was fired. That was the yeah, like wrong, you lost, backwards. You lost your policing <laughs> abilities. You can't do it. He, he did it but, when it made so no this, sense. This movie does have like jarring shifts in tone, right? It does. The, the first half of the movie, or the first act of the movie, is basically serial killers and cat and mouse and chasing that, right? Then the second act is more like a um, courtroom drama, right? And then the third act is basically just revenge. Yeah. Just like, just the basis of instincts to get revenge and stop this fucking guy, right? Yeah. So, uh, after a night of deep thought, Leo decides to head to the lab to interrupt interrupt the uh, the evidence technician's marijuana smoke session. <laughs> yeah, the most oblivious and, dude ever. And to steal evidence too, he uh, he literally goes to the evidence area. He catches the guy smoking marijuana. He asks. Uh, for the tape of Warren's uh, interview, and then he provides his own tape of the phone call, and he wants the evidence technician to give it to the guy to compare the two to make sure it's the same person. So while the guy's going to get the tape, he goes into one of the uh, secure areas, and he pulls blood from the freezer? Yeah, from the vial. He pulls a vial of blood from the freezer and takes a sample of it, which, wouldn't it be frozen like a fucking block of ice? I mean, (laughs) maybe it had a bad thermostat, but yes. It was in the freezer. Normally, you would keep that in the refrigerator, yeah. but it was in the freezer. So he gets a sample of the blood, and uh, what's nice, too, is they obviously don't tell us whose blood it is. They don't, like, show the front of the vial that says, you know, Betty or Karen right, like, or Like it's a quick a- shot of the camera focusing in on the name. You, it, it's fine because you're going to get it, and you knew what's happening kind of instantly. They're, but the fact that they we're didn't We're not stupid. We understand you. what yeah. he's doing, and I appreciate yeah, that. the fact they didn't feed it to you does make a difference, I think. Now, have you have you uh, do you recall a an instant recently where that's actually been done by police or claimed alleged to have been done by police? Uh yeah. Was it OJ? Didn't they say they planted blood on OJ or something? No. So recently, well, there recently, was a documentary but... on Netflix. It was called "To Make a Murderer," and that was a big contention. I of saw the that. Yeah. Evidence from the documentary is there was the the pin the uh, pin prick in the vial of the guy's blood or the girl's blood or the guy's blood or something. Yeah. They claimed that the cops went in there, took that popped it and then sprayed her blood inside his car or something. I don't recall. I saw that. So I just don't recall it, but yeah, that was a big point of contention in the documentary, which they have come to prove that that documentary is total horseshit, but still really it's interesting nice. to, to bring it. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So that's why the guys are still in custody for murder. But anyway, I just thought that was funny because they're actually, this is a movie made in 83 and there's stuff still that's, Relevant, relevant to right. stuff that's happening today. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, director J. Lee Thompson, dude, he was just masterful at just like giving us the exact amount of information we need so we can infer yes. what's happening instead of like spelling it out. It, it makes right. it more fun. It's a it's a more enjoyable watch when you're able to put it together um, without everything just being so so uh, force you know ham fisted yeah. slammed in your face. It does yeah. make for a more enjoyable movie experience. It's fun. Well, it, it keeps you guessing and it keeps you engaged because you want to find out what happens next or yeah. what's the next piece of the puzzle that's going to fall. And you want to know if you're right. right or not, if you've inferred the correct, you know, if you've taken the right thought. You know, it, it's almost like you, you get a little validation for um, playing the game and winning or for coming out with the right now, answer. Do you think during the murders, if they had kept the suspect 
under wraps so that you don't know if it's Warren Stacy or not, would that have been more, even more effective? Uh, I don't think so in this movie particularly. I mean, it was more effective in Sleepaway Camp 1 for me and less in 2. But to me, the the uh, Warren Stacy made the movie, so I think as much as you, he was on screen, the better you wanted. I think he's the one that was the uh, key to making this well, Think work. about like how that could have changed the direction of the movie. Is like, you don't know. You know that Kessler thinks it's that guy, even though we don't know it as the audience. So yeah. when he plants the evidence, we think even more, we, we think even less of Kessler because of that. Right. But then at the big reveal, when we find out he was, it would be more of a payoff because he was right the entire time. So yeah. it subverted what we were thinking. Um, I mean, th- 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 there's plenty of movies that do that and that's fine. But again, I think that the, I think that this movie hinges on, on the character Warren Stacy was portraying. And I think that you need a lot of him in this to make this work. Cause he was the one that kept me engaged. Uh, yeah. So I would yeah. say in this respect, no, I like the way they did this one. I I'm fine. So you're saying him. His performance was a standout over Charles Bronson. Yes. Oh, please, <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> Bronson's hired for his face, man. And his demeanor. Bronson yeah. isn't hired out of his acting skill. It's about his vibe, yeah. his whole persona. Right. Yep. Well, what's crazy too is Jay Lee Thompson also directed the original Cape Fear, which oh really? Hmm. I'm a huge fan with Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Right. Yep. So we know how how great of an actor Mitchum is. He also did a uh, Happy Birthday to Me, which is like a horror classic. He did a couple of the Planet of the Apes movies, and he did the uh, I don't know if you remember this in the Indian Indiana Jones doppelganger King Solomon's Mind. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Have you seen that one? I saw it with my dad, but I don't remember it. But my dad was a fan of that. He liked that one. Did they make more than one? I don't remember more than one. Um, Do I remember like Indiana Jones came out? We had like the Romancing the Stone movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The King Solomon's Mind, Alan Quartermain and the Lost City of Gold. Yeah. Um, like, what was the Tom Selleck one, which I liked? Um, oh, Jesus. What was that one? Why did you bring that up? God. I liked that one, though. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I oh, keep yeah. wanting I to say Buck Rubanzai, but it's not Buck Rubanzai. But... <laughs> I think the two people in the world that love Tom Selleck the most are my mom and Ryan. Oh, dude, Ryan's good. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, you know, he don't play with Tom Selleck. <laughs> Damn, what he had, he hear... was a good one, though. Did you did you hear Ryan's house caught on fire and burned down? No way. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to call him. Okay. Yeah, yeah it happened right before Christmas. So the guy we had on the Cobra episode, the special guest Ryan uh, from the Nostalgically oh, wow. Hip podcast, his house caught on fire and burned down. Wow. Do they know yeah, why? So, I mean, not arson. I'm always, nothing like that. No, no, no. I think it was uh, an accident, something in the garage with one of his four-wheelers or something. Electrical thing or uh, gas or I something. I haven't called him because I don't know how to approach that, like off the bat. Oh, I'm going to text so, him and say, I heard your house burned down. I'll do that after the show. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll have to reach out to him. Hopefully he has a way better uh, year. Jeez. 2024 will be yeah, way bummer. better for him. Crazy. So uh, after that whole incident, we go back to the headquarters where the Fuzz is basically comparing the voices from the two tapes, the interrogation tape and the prank phone call tape. And that's when they were able to determine that the department expert is able to determine that it is definitely Warren's voice. Right. Yeah. So they have a, an arrestable offense for him, which is, I'm pretty sure grand Mopery with intent to God. Nice. <laughs> Mopery. Also, also, <laughs> nice. also known as, also known as prank calling, I yeah. guess, or harassment. <laughs> um, so they go over to arrest him on that charge. And while they're doing so, they also decided to grab his clothes he wore on the 7th, which, how would they know that? Because there's no, like, the only thing they have is eyewitness statements of, like, red jacket, striped pants, and a pair of shoes. 
how do they know out of all the clothes in his house, which one to take not only from the seventh, but they also wanted to get his clothes from the funeral. Well, and that, that really is a, is a weird, it's weird that that was written in because originally Paul McCann does grab all his clothes and Kessler stops him and says, Hey, what are you doing? He's like grabbing his clothes. He said, no, 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 no. We just need the clothes from the seventh. And he's like, well, what about the suit from the funeral? He's like, yeah, yeah, I guess grab that. I mean, that's, that to me is uh, a not smart move because Kessler's, knows too much at that point he looks suspect by even by even saying that so that was dumb i don't think that was necessary in the movie it was a weird part of the movie i mean I, i'm sure it's protocol to find clothes matching the suspect description especially if there's like an identifiable logo but i mean how many red shirts does the guy own right but the, right? The, the, this dumb part is bronson basically saying no 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 no, no. don't take all those clothes it's just that shirt right there just that, just one. that one like just don't, that one stop. right there because i'm pretty sure he wore that on the set if you're based on, uh, if you're really trying like to like cover your own tracks you'd be like yeah get them all you know we'll eventually find the right one but you don't want to like he's given away a little too much i thought i thought that was a dumb move be the first Kessler. question they ask you is like uh <laughs> Detective or Lieutenant Kessler, why did you decide to only right, take that right. shirt? <laughs> exactly. So that really didn't fit the character to me because this dude's supposed to be seasoned, um, knowing his stuff too. So that that was that I didn't like. Actually, I didn't like that part. Uh, jokes on them anyway because he doesn't wear clothes when he's committing murders. Yeah, he's naked. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but somehow, uh, the big reveal: there's blood found on the red jacket that he was wearing the night of the murder. And that's when you kind of see in McCann's face, he kind of realized like, Hmm, that's a little weird. Well, I'll tell you what the smartest guy in the room at this point, which I, I like I said, I'd bring up earlier is the stoner guy because the stoner guy is the one that really gives McCann the clue. Um, because when he's talking about, hey, I know, because I saw your partner or whatever, when he's like, no, he wasn't. He's like, yeah, no, he came here at like 2 a.m. in the morning. He's like, well, what was he doing here? And then when they're talking about the clothes, the, the, the stoner dude is the one that says like, wow, that's weird for such a smart guy. This seems such like a, a dumb mistake to make. Why wouldn't you just get rid of these clothes? And the stoner dude picked up on more of it than the two cops at that point of like, like none of this matches. Second, it's too perfect. Yeah, yeah he, none of this matches. A, he's a criminal mastermind, but yet he's so stupid he'll do that. Yeah, so... He won't even wash the clothes. He'll just have blood on them and like, oh, let's so hope for the best. Maybe weed does make you smart. I don't know. So basically, Kessler walks in and he explains to, uh, I think his name was... Dave Dante or something like yep, that. Dante. Anyway, it's Jeffrey Lewis, who is um, Warren's attorney, basically says, uh, hey, he's not under arrest for that shit anymore. He's going down for murder one. And Stacy loses his shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he loses his mind. And uh, he almost clubs Kessler in the face with a chair. And uh, I think part of that is he realizes he's got a terrible attorney because his attorney has the worst wig I've ever seen in, <laughs> in a movie. Yeah. Well, he, so knows, he realizes... He- he knows now too that uh that, that Kessler's a dirty cop. Yeah, he he's putting together this dude's framing me, which I mean he obviously was guilty, yeah. but now he knows he's telling he's telling Kessler there's no way, there's no way you found this evidence. You're a dirty cop, which he is right. Um But it does set up at this point what what you kind of called the second chapter of the second stage. The, now it became almost two investigations, and I thought that added some depth to the movie. I wasn't expecting you're, you're investigating Stacy, but they're also trying to get down to how that ev- evidence was fabricated. Right. Did he actually steal evidence or what's going on here? So now we have not, not investigating the crook, but investigating the police right. process to find out who the dirty cop is. I did not see that coming. Um, that no, was, me either. Yeah. Not at all. I never thought for a second that that would be what this movie was about. Right. So if I could real quick, um, you mentioned Jeffrey Lewis, who is his lawyer. Um, I, I did do a, a little bit of a deep dive on Jeffrey Lewis. Cause I like that character actor. And, you know, sometimes I'll do like a, a you know, a real quick, uh, snippet. It's been a while since I've done it, but the, you know the things they've been in. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'll tell you that I, I'll tell you right now, I, I ruined about 30 minutes of note taking because when I first saw the movie, I thought that was Robert Pine because the wig threw me off. And I was like, oh, dude, they got Robert Pine in this. I didn't see him in the credits. Right. Maybe that's Chris Pine's dad from Chips, like the sergeant mm-hmm. from Chips. They do look very similar, though. Right. So yes. I, I did like. At the least, eyes. It's in the eyes. It's in for the those eyes. Two. I think I did 20 minutes of Robert Pine research and wrote. I have like a full page of notes on Robert Pine that will not no, now go to waste. Hold on to that. Maybe we'll do a uh, Love Boat episode sometime <laughs> yeah. where he'll be on there. So I'll do a quick Jeffrey Lewis rundown. Uh, he's he's got over 229 acting credits, and it goes Is far. He still alive? I don't think so. I didn't pay good. Oh, I can tell you. Hold on. I can, Let me see here. I'm I, right here. All right. Give me one Let's second while you're going Lewis, down the list. Lewis, go Jeffrey ahead. Lewis. So we're not 2015. 2005, unfortunately. Okay, okay yeah. Here, but here's a quick list. Let me take a deep breath for this one. Quick. All right. Jeffrey Lewis. Bonanza, Gunsmoke, Cannon, Mod Squad, Kung Fu, Starsky and Hutch. Uh, where am I at here? Uh, Laverne and Shirley, uh, Six Million Dollar Man, Hawaii Five-0, Mork and Mindy, Barnaby Jones, BJ and the Bear, Little House on the Prairie, Mama's Family, Spencer for Hire, Fall Guy, A-Team, Magnum P.I., Amazing Stories, MacGyver, Golden Girls, Webster, and many, many more. Uh, dude was a great character actor, and uh, I liked seeing him in this. I was instantly like, oh, cool, I like that guy. If you grew up in the 80s, you've seen this guy. He was in The Devil's Rejects, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and he, what I knew him from originally was... Uh, any which way but loose, the Clint Eastwood movie with the oh, yeah. with yeah. the monkey. He was Orville, I think. He was his best friend, and that's that's where I was introduced to him first. And from there on, I'd see him in everything, every epi- every eighties, and not just uh, action. He did drama, comedy. He did a lot of stuff. Um, good good character actor, and he added a lot to the film. I thought, but Except normally for the wig. he portrays like people without a lot of hair. Yeah, the wig was when he had a full head of yeah fabricated hair. Yeah. Just threw me off, threw um, me on the Robert Pine <laughs> mistake. So they do the perp walk and all that shit. And then as they're walking outside the courtroom, uh, Dante approaches McCann and is like, hey, man, I'm going to call you on the stand tomorrow. And uh, you're going to have to commit some serious perjury if you don't testify to what you know is true. And it's like, first off, at this point, they don't know definitively if Kessler no. did that or not. Right. So the only evidence that they have that proves that Kessler did would be the statement of the serial killer who would say, I only kill people nude. So there's no way there would be any blood on my clothes. Right. He, he was, that's the only defense you would have at that point. Right. He almost, it was like, he knew too much. He knew for certain that, that the evidence was planted. There's no reason for him to know that. Um, I, I, that thought occurred to me too, other than if maybe, I don't know though, man, I kind of like the way he even coached. Think about this though. The way he knew the evidence was fabricated is because his his client told him why it was fabricated. So that's why later on when they're in the courtroom, he says to him, well, if this doesn't work, if he doesn't testify truthfully, then we can get you off on an insanity plea. Which makes a, which actually makes a big deal later in the movie, and I thought was very uh, subtly and sneakily put in there. He gives him pretty much the out about three-fourths of the way through the movie that he is going to try to use later, and I thought that that was a really slick way of... of um, yeah, of making like that happen. Planted the seed, right? Dante's planting the seed that that basically Stacy harvests later for his own selfish use. Yeah, right? it was done, it was done well. Yeah, really well. Yeah. So, um, but McCann at this point, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, you have that tension now of like, oh shoot, is McCann going to lie? Is he going to out Charles Bronson, his partner? You know, you know what I mean? Are they going to let this guy go because of this technicality? So it added a really moment of a uh, 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 the tone shift and suspense to the movie. Yeah. 
I mean, it changes, changes gears completely, but what's great is like, you think it's going to be some revelatory like scene where right. you find out what happened. It's not right. Basically, Kessler interrupts the DA who's given his op- opening arguments basically. And, uh, he basically admits to Paul immediately McCann. He's like, yeah, I did it. I didn't he's see like, that coming at all. Him. I did not see that. Yeah, coming. I did not, I did not expect him to, to fess up immediately, but he goes in and tells the court and the defense attorney and the DA and everybody. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, he's allowed to approach the bench with the attorneys for some reason. Yeah, and the the attorney's like, I want to drop all these charges immediately because Kessler uh, fabricated evidence and we don't have a case anymore. Dirty cop. If that was all your case had was that, like, I don't know if that's enough. It probably is enough, but I mean, normally there's more, right? Yeah, I mean, I I guess having her blood on his clothes is pretty big, would probably be. Am I a victim of the CSI effect? Have you heard of that before? No, what is it? Is that? Thinking you know what it's all about because you watched it. <laughs> what's that? Is that thinking you know all about courtroom drama because you watched a TV well, show? <laughs> that's basically what's happening with juries across the country is, you know, they're going to to act as jurors on criminal cases, and they've watched CSI, the fictionalized television show about evidence gathering, and so you know, police are uh, producing their case and like throwing it out there to convict people. And the the juries are like, well, how come you didn't do this? And how come you didn't do this? And they're questioning the police tactics because they've watched a television show. uh, So they're thinking like, well, there's not enough evidence. And how could you not pull fingerprints off that bale of hay that was in the back of his truck? And how could, you know, what about fiber samples and what about panning and zoomifying cameras and all this stupid shit? So it's Uh, affecting juries. I witnessed it firsthand uh, recently when I was uh, called in and they were questioning. They did ask quite a bit about, do you watch uh, courtroom TV, stuff like that. So, yeah, they're asking in the uh, jury selection even. So it makes sense. Yeah. So people, I mean, it's like, it's like the same phenomenon that's happening with people who watch cooking shows. Like they leave and they think they can fucking, they're a three-star Michelin chef because they've watched Bobby or, you know, (laughs) Gordon Ramsay make a fucking beef Wellington. So they think they're, they can do it too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, he admits to everybody he planted evidence. The case is over. Leo actually gets fired immediately and decides to drown his misery with Lori. Yeah, with his daughter. And then uh, Warren actually calls Kessler to taunt him and threatens to kill him, which is an actual crime now. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) You've threatened to kill somebody. So, anyway... Uh, typical Bronson fashion. He's not going to rest on his laurels. He ain't got a job anyway, so he's got plenty of time. So he starts to like taunt Stacy. Stacy's like literally driving around town and like Kessler's pulling up right next to him, giving him that patented eat shit smile. Which yeah. is, <laughs> that is the best Bronson that, look. It's better than blue steel. It is the best look. It's the best Bronson did in this movie. And, and this, if you remember is exactly what dirty Harry did to the Scorpio killer when he got off. Remember? He just starts following him around everywhere and he shows up outside of every, his doctor's appointments and he's always there and it ends up driving him crazy enough to, uh, basically the same thing that happened. So this is kind of a wish.com version of Dirty Harry at this point is what I'm gathering. Well, if you think about it too, it gives the audience what they want, right? Because we know Stacy did it. We know Kessler fucked up by trying to... Um, force ends, ends, ends defeats the means, right? And then what they say, right? The ends defy or, uh, the means, wait. the mean, the ends justify the means. There you go. Yep. Right. So they're like, we understand why he did it because he's trying to protect his daughter and shit, but also he fucked up. So we kind of get like why Stacy got let free, but we still want justice. So now Kessler is our vehicle for that justice. And he doesn't have legal ties to not be able to do some underhanded shit now right. because he's not a cop anymore. <laughs> you right. Know what I'm saying, so, like, 
Stacy shows back up to work and all the girls are literally like leaning away from him. Like he's got shit in his pants or something because they're first off, they don't, don't want to get murdered because I mean, two people in this office have been murdered. And the only suspect is the weird guy that everybody thinks a murderer anyway. Yeah, he already so. went to, he already got arrested for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then the straw that breaks the camel's back is when Kessler gets, uh, confronted by his manager because, uh, Stacy gets confronted by his manager because Kessler literally left crime scene photos pinned to his uh, pin board, his, his cork board on the back of his desk. Yeah, like the naked dead chicks uh, in the office. He put up the photos in his office. That's <laughs> that's pretty rough, dude. It's rough business. Like pretty pretty rough. Pretty rough. So uh, I think Stacy loses his job because they don't want him in the office. Um, and then what happens next? I think. They're doing more surveillance now, and Kessler, um, no, Warren gets home, and Leo has ransacked his house, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Leo had gone in and, like, tied the, the, the uh, turned on the radio oh, real loud, tied the lights together. He fucked with him. He has, like, the radio on, he's yeah. got the power cords strung all over the place, so he's, like, wrapped up in a spider web, and he's right. like, man, oh, I can't wait for him to get his come up. It's man, I hope it's good, too. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, so, at this point. Now, he, now he's gonna, flipped. He's flipped. Now he's he's gonna he's gonna do some. Warren's mad enough now that he's gonna make some mistakes. I think is what, what we're getting. Well, to. he makes mistakes, but he also plans very well. He does. He, he knows now Kessler's following, so he goes and picks up a very pricey '80s hooker. Yeah. Uh, she's got the teased hair and everything, right? And uh, he basically takes her to like a sleazy hotel because he because he knows Kessler's following him there, and he thinks yeah. he thinks Kessler. Rightly so is going to think, hey, he's going to kill this girl, um, which is he's setting setting Kessler up now. Right. So he takes this hooker to this sleazy ass motel, and even the uh, the uh, proprietor, the uh, clerk at the front desk, cl- clowns the hooer a little bit. Did you catch that, Carmen Flippy, dude? You know him? Nope. Oh, dude, yeah, he's the man. I knew him right away. So the the two things you'd know him from most is. Uh, the wedding singer, he was the old dude in the bar that tried to punch the guy in the alley. He's like, I used to be strong, <laughs> that dude. Or uh, the second thing you might know him from is Wayne's World. He was the, at the end when they pull the mask off, it's old man Withers from the amusement park. <laughs> That's him. That's my man. <laughs> he he gets one of the best lines in the whole movie because um, the guy asks him, like, how long do you want the room for? And Stacy goes, we're going to need it for three hours. Yeah. And the girl goes like, whoa, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> and the old dude looks at her and he goes, you got a long night, lady. Yeah, you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> you got your work cut out for you tonight. Yeah. It's going to be a long shift. long haul. So, yeah. uh, so Kessler bribes a bunch of um, whores to get the whereabouts of where that whore normally goes. And he's able to find him. Roughs up that old dude a little bit. Like, you're going to tell me. Where, which room this clown's in. Didn't he get a room key, too? The guy Somehow, gives him not yeah. only the room yeah. number, he gives Somehow. him the room key. Somehow he does. Dude, that toilet in that pay, room? He gives him like a 20. Oh, dude. <laughs> was it pre-pooped in? It looked like it was pre-pooped before they got there. I think it was. It was like the, uh, the chocolate frosting at the bottom oh. of the bowl with like a half-smoked cigarette and some fucking somebody who's not hydrated enough, oh, enough is pissed in it before. Scariest thing in the movie right there. Yeah. He, he drugged... So basically... Uh, Stacy has drugged this girl. So when Leo walks into the room, he sees her and he thinks she's dead because she's wrapped up. He realizes she's been drugged. And then he realizes he's also been played for a fool because, right. uh, Stacy's not there anymore and he knows exactly where he's going. Right. 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 Stacy played it perfectly. He got Leo so caught up on this that, that he, he, the misdirect is in, he's already gone and uh, halfway to the daughter's, uh, 
dorm. Yeah, he's gonna he's point. going to kill your kid right now, so you need to hurry up. Right. So so somehow he, he still cut- has a a duty active CB in his car. Luckily for him. <laughs> yeah, because he makes sure to call McCann and says. Uh, he doesn't give his call sign because he doesn't want people to know that he's using the radio and he's not a copy. Uh, McCann, you out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is McCann. Go for McCann. Uh, you need to go to the dorms, guy. You know, <laughs> McCann would have done a Seinfeld like, who is this? I mean, good dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, so McCann starts heading that way. He doesn't get there in time, clearly. Um, but at the dorm, uh, um, uh, Stacy's gone on a killing spree, which are you familiar with? the serial killer that this killing spree is loosely based on. No. You ever heard of Richard Speck? Yeah. He killed eight nursing students oh, in one night. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Is it that he was before this dorm? movie? Is this before the movie? I don't know. Cuz so this I mean, could have been loosely similar. based. It could have been loosely either, based on on him as well, right? Either loosely based on Speck or Speck loosely based his killing spree <laughs> on this movie. Or again, you said Bundy as well, right, with the car, so maybe they did take a little yeah. bit from um from other Serial killers cases. and kind of mush them yeah, together. Like yeah. And whatnot. yeah, I'll tell you what, man. That one short-haired nurse, she could really scream and cry, man. Because oh, I she was for great. Her. Yeah, she was good. She was awesome, dude. Yeah. Awesome. And then uh, he, he kills the one girl in the shower. He kills the short-haired girl. He kills kills the one girl that I think. Um, who was she? Oh, Kelly Preston was one of the girls. Could you tell me which one of those girls was Kelly Preston? Kelly Preston, really? Yeah, one of those girls was Kelly Preston. Doreen. John Travolta's wife. Yeah, Doreen. Um, so Doreen, she dark but, hair. So she must have been either the girl that answered the. No, she had to have short hair because she's dark she's hair. Blonde hair. I don't, so I, I, the, the short haired, dark haired girl didn't look like Kelly Preston to me. There's only four oh, girls. Look, it's the daughter, the black girl. She's not her. She was in the shower. The blonde haired girl that opens the door, and the short haired girl. There's four girls yeah. in there. Interesting. One of them was Kelly Preston. Everybody, so okay. keep your peepers open. Yeah. Um. So finally, all the sorority girls are dead, and we didn't except, talk about the way they were killed because it doesn't matter. Except, it except the, or, uh, the the Kessler's daughter, who took I think she took that shelter in place a little too seriously because she had plenty of time where she could have helped some. Lynn said at this point, she's a bad friend. That's a bad friend because her other girls are trying to hide. Like she's not here. She's at the you know like she's at the they're, hospital. They're putting up a front for her, like trying to protect her, and she's not doing anything. And Lynn's like hide. she's hiding in the kitchen. Grab a knife. Run out the front door. She hidden, watched all her friends get killed. Um, so yeah, you know, yeah, you know, whatever. At, at the one point, she actually gets a C for her hiding skills because she hid behind a bed with or underneath a bed with wheels. Yeah, and her legs like, sticking is out. There, is there any other like that's the easiest thing? First off, a killer is always going to look under the bed, and this one he can clearly move by just swatting yeah. it left to right like, easily, lightly pushing it with his foot. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I thought what was cool is when she, she holed up in the uh, the bathroom, that was a really cool scene where he's naked, kicking the door it with was. his bloody foot. It was, was really good. cool. Yeah. Again, though, he's leaving evidence because feet print are just as valuable as footprint or fingerprints. So. Yeah, I think at this point he's past that. He's just out for the kill. I don't think he's looking to um, hide it anymore. He's gone crazy because of Kessler. But he does feign that he, he's leaving. That didn't he work for me. That, that bothered me. Did that bother you at all? Not really. Okay, that, no, this to me. Like, oh. Okay, the misdirect is fine. Like I'd be okay with the misdirect. The the problem I had with the misdirect is so to set it up. She's locked herself in the in the bathroom. He can't get in. They hear cars coming. She's like, "Hey, it's my dad. You better get out of here." So what they show on screen is him walking to the door, leaving, closing the door, and her, um, you know, whatever. But, but you that's, also hear the car leaving. You hear the car leaving. But that's strictly for the viewers. That's done clunky because all he had to do was open and close the door to trick her. So all they were trying to trick at that point is me. 
He didn't need to leave to trick her. You see what I'm saying? And that for yeah, some reason, like he didn't have to go through all that the motions. All he had to do was right. open the door and close it, and then be quiet. And to me, that would have been a cleaner and a smarter way to do that scene. I, I actually but I saw it coming, but I didn't. But they didn't were like trying it. to misdirect us as well. That's the thing. That's if what bothered that, me. Then we would have known. It, but that's fine because it didn't need it because it's clunky to done that way. Because then you question it, like why would he actually leave and then walk back in? It's just dumb. Um, and then you risk the door, the sound of the door opening and closing again. So to me, that was a little bit clunky. I didn't like it. Either way, it worked because uh, he gets burnt for the move because she comes out and she's got a curling iron and he grabs her when she walks out to invest. Dude, she didn't even like go to her friend to ask for help. She was walking oh, straight no. to the door. Her oh. dead friend's laying on the ground right in front of the door and she didn't even like sideways glance, nothing. Just walk, walking out the door. He grabs her up. He gets uh, a curling iron across his face. And uh, so she's able to run out and escape and he goes streaking after her. And then Kessler gets here at the, the exact time where they're running out. And they've got a pretty good head start. There's no way well, old ass Charles Bronson caught any of them. There's no way. The most realistic aspect of this entire movie is Charles Bronson at 70 running after these people and catching up to them. There's Completely no ridiculous. Completely ridiculous, bro. Well, I mean, even more ridiculous is as she's running away from the dorm, she's able to run directly into her father's hands. Her father's arms. So like, yeah. Yeah. Runs right into her father's arms. And like uh, at this point, the cavalry shows up at the same time. They've got the helicopter, the ghetto bird flying around, lighting up the whole scene. She's lighting up my eyeballs. Way too much light on that thing. Oh, way too much of that. Way too much of that. Yeah. And then Stacy plays his cards. He puts his cards on the table because clearly he's caught now, but he's insane. So there's two sides of him, the good side and the bad side. And once the bad side takes over, the good side can't stop it. So he has to do it. So he knows he's never going to go to jail. Uh, if he does, he's going to go to a hospital, but he's going to be released later, and there's nothing Kessler can do about it at all. Nothing. Nothing. Arrest me now, which how many times have you seen that in a movie? Arrest me. And the cop's like, nope, not today. Yeah, today's not the day. So uh, a, another pretty unrealistic thing is he's able to make like a pretty decent headshot from 13 or 13 feet or so with a snub-nosed gut buster. With uh, cops holding him on either side and behind him as well. Yeah. A little rough. Yeah. So, um, Charlie don't I mean, play though. Cop, yeah. He's not a cop anymore, but I mean, is it legal? No, it's not. And I believe at the end, if you, if you look closely during the credits, it shows him holding his arms out to be handcuffed. I believe the, the, it's inferred really? that he gets arrested at the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I caught Very that like during the credit roll, it's, it's the camera, the uh, helicopter angle. Um, and it's showing him with his arms out to, to McCann, so giving up. So, so he's still operating on the fringes of the law, but he still understands that he's got to. Yes, he's got to have a due process. He did right? what he had to do to, to to keep this guy from coming back later and, and assaulting Listen, more girls or killing let, his let's daughter. Let's be honest. This dude just killed all of your daughter's uh, sorority sisters, and he's chasing your daughter, trying to kill her. What would you do? No, you got to kill him, dude. There's that's. Yeah, uh, especially when he was talking all that shit. Yeah, like there's only so much shit you can take before you just got to take the line here. So own. I just I thought it was a really smart scene because now it brings back what the lawyer was telling him, and it shows how smart he was. To he immediately switched to like I know how I can get out of this. He still tried at the end, and it's I think it was really well done on his part, or the writing was well done. Yeah, it's um, always self preservation for these guys, right? right? Yeah. So all he wasn't to do crazy. Stay out of jail and live to kill again. Right. He wasn't crazy. He was extra smart, and he tried to get out of it, but CB wasn't having it. Puts a slug through his head. Um, ended very similar to Dirty Harry again. Remember at the end of Dirty yeah, Harry? Yeah. Yeah. And the credits roll as the sappy piano dirge plays us out. Yep. And it's very classy. Did you... Uh, credits roll, and that's it. I don't buddy. know if you read it or not, but there was supposed to be a big wrestling match at the end between Bronson and... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you read that? 
<laughs> All right, listen, CB. That's probably what they call him on set. That's what I have in my notes, yeah. Listen, CB. Uh, okay, Gene's going to come in. Uh, you're going to see all the dead bodies. You're going to do a, like a little hand-to-hand combat, a little tussle. He's like, I'm not getting yeah. anywhere around that man's penis. Yeah, I don't. Charles Bronson, don't play that. I don't wrestle with no naked dudes. So. Listen, I don't want any male genitalia anywhere around was, my body. He was so. not having it, bro, and I can't blame him. So he just gets to shoot him. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It'd be cool to see like a Vigo Mortensen Eastern Promises like naked fight between the two. That'd be cool. Charles Bronson, don't play that, man. The problem is not is not the fight. The problem is, is Bronson's a man's man, dude. He don't play it. He's not doing that. He's not stooping to that level. Yeah. I, I so. turned I turned to Lynn. I was like, what'd you think, babe? And she's like, the acting kind of sucked. <laughs> that was her last take. <laughs> it did kind of, but it was she also said, she, some shining moments. She said, I tried to stick up for it too. Um, she also said that for her, way too much nudity. I was like, lots of, best part to me like that's why i liked it and she's like oh well there's where we differ so <laughs> you know i like i'll take some nudity from time to time but i don't want to see people getting slaughtered rather naked <laughs> yeah. you know like i think the the worst version of that and i say worse and i use the term lightly but um have you ever seen august underground uh, just the clips you've you've sent me but i have seen yeah, like fred clips, vogel's yeah. wife uh shelby I think in the third one, she's pretty much naked throughout the entire movie, and she's, like, vomiting on people's faces. And shit. Wow. Just like, oh, my God. Charles Bronson don't play that either. He wasn't. No, he he's, was, not he, that, he's not going to be wanna, on that. You want to you, you regurgitate where? Yeah. <laughs> on my body? Uh, no, I'll yeah. be at craft services having a... Uh, not sushi. Sirloin. <laughs> <laughs> eating a, uh, a Salisbury steak microwave dinner, and I'll be back. When I'm not eating. quiche. I'll be eating. <laughs> <laughs> not coleslaw and quiche. All right, we good? All right, we're good, buddy. Yeah, let's do this. I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news. All right, bro, give me your good news. I really enjoyed the dialogue and thought that they didn't try to, like, spoon-feed yes. you all of the information, and they didn't dumb it down for the viewer, and I appreciated that, man. Uh, There's agree. not a lot of movies that you watch today that has that sort of thing, and that just, just goes to show that they had a different approach to movie-making you know, back then. Yeah, I agree. Um, there, there are movies still being made that are that good, but a lot of times it's just over explanation of every possible aspect of everything. Yeah. It becomes too dumb, becomes too, um, too, almost too easy. It's just not fun. I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. I agree with you on it's that. It's just mindless. You, you don't have to think you're not engaged at all. You're just like watching moving images and yeah. listening to people talk. This was a little bit better. Than I agree. Uh, for me, I thought the best scene and the whole movie was right before the trial when Bronson admits to his partner that he planted the evidence. I did not see that coming. It really had me wondering, like, wow, where's this movie going from there? That is, that was He's a like, complete I twist. did. Yeah. I mean, You're it like, was Whoa. very different. I did. Yeah. I did it. Yeah. Very, very good writing there. A complete twist and a, cha- a tone shift, and I like that a lot. It's three different movies, man. Yeah. Give me your bad yeah. news. Uh, the kills, although brutal due to the uh, tone, the nudity, and the vulnerability of the victims... Uh, were still pretty unremarkable. Yeah, yeah, they were. Like, it's just like, oh, he stabbed her in the gut too. Hmm, yeah, okay. I guess they weren't going for that, but I, w- I could have used some of that. I've said it, you know, earlier in the show. Um, to me, I don't, I don't think Bronson brought much to the film besides his name. I think his role could have been played by any decent leading actor of that year. Like, I, I didn't really feel that Bronson was the star. It, it didn't. Did you feel that way, or did you really like him in this? No, I mean, you know. Bronson's Bronson, man. Like he just brings what he has to the table. It, he does, but to I, me, I, I anybody think, could have brought that to the table. Okay, so we're, we're saying anybody could have brought uh, that anybody, to the table. anybody so of saying? his ilk. No, not anybody. I'm saying any leading okay. actor of his. Of, okay, let me give you examples. You tell me yes or no. How about that? 
Okay, that would be perfect. Harvey Keitel. Yeah, I guess. Michael Madsen. No. Really? No, no si- I don't think he could play. Sizemore. No, because Really? Be I can see it. Too, too addicted to pills. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying, you think of him in like uh, Natural Born Killers or something. You, you just... I mean, if you think about it, like those movies have been done forever. And they, I mean, wasn't there one with um, Michael Caine where he was like, what was the name of that movie where he was beating up the, the British gangsters that were growing weed in his neighborhood and shit. So he's like this old guy just like beating up all these young you know, gangsters. Clint Eastwood in his neighborhood. Just the old Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I just, to me, Bronson was interchangeable with other people that were Bronson esque at that year. I didn't, I did I don't look at this as a Bronson movie. I look at this as um, more of a, of a, of a Gene Davis movie. Like he's the standout to me in this. If you think about it too, like movies used to, like it was all about the star power, right? Yeah. Like you couldn't get a movie off the ground unless you had somebody to sell the film. Oh, oh yeah. He's in, he's in here for his name, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that was my first thing I said. I don't think he brought much as but his name. I mean, I also just listed the cast of Reservoir Dogs as, as replacements, but... <laughs> <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Do you yeah, think right. Buscemi uh, could have taken on the role yeah. of... Uh, Roth. Could Roth have done this? Leo Kessler. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, I don't know. I, I don't just, know. I just... I see what you're saying. We definitely need to uh, dig deeper into some Charles Bronson stuff uh, because he plays the same character in Death Wish, too, right? Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. He's literally like shooting people with a uh, the same gun, the same damn gun. Yeah, same gun. Well, like, until you get the M60 you know, as they're running across the parking lot, until he got the rocket launcher. Yeah, that's part three, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, all right. Give me cool. a sh- schlock star rating. Fifteen out of the many naked male buttocks brought to you by Ten to Midnight. Nice. <laughs> there were butts everywhere. Male butts everywhere. There was very few female butts. Um, yeah. Mine was, I, I give it one whole pile of hot nurses stacked up with one whole pile of hot journalists because this movie was yeah, nothing oh yeah. but models. Like every even the, even the movie theater patrons were cute. Oh, yeah. Tina? Uh, Tina was the best one in yeah. the movie, man. She's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. Schlocker Not Protocol requires a quiz off. May the best human moron win. All right, Doc, hit me. I know I've already inadvertently talked about this, but Jeffrey Lewis, he was wearing a wig, right? had to be i've never seen him look like that before never i've never seen him like that yeah Yeah, it was just a it was a i'm not gonna say it was a perfect head of hair because it was clearly a full head of hair but it wasn't very well stocked a good head of hair it was a full head of hair (laughs) yeah yeah weird weird style Uh, we've touched on most of my questions too so i'll let you know um all right for me so the bad dude to me pretty good looking guy do you think he just needed coaching on like boundaries and how to approach women he definitely needs psychiatric help for sure. His boundaries are way off. Teach that. I don't think you can teach that. That's true. But in general, pretty decent looking guy, right? I mean, the chick in the movie theater uh, was was all about it until he talked. Yeah, he just didn't apply himself properly. That's all it is. Yeah. All right, go for it. What does fifty one way and seventy five around the world mean? It's funny you say that because I actually thought about that. Because when he pulls up to the hooker, she's like, "All right, honey, it's fifty dollars one way and seventy five for around the world." I, dude, I don't know. I, I here's my guess, and this is what I came up with on my own. One way meant you get to pick one type of sex act to do, and around the world means anything goes. But I thought I was going through that too of like, what's the what could that possibly mean? Did you look that up? Is that like a thing? No, heck no. All I'm going to say is if that's the case, that's you a great go deal. 70, if it's 75 all the way, because then you got you got way more options on the table. I can do anything <laughs> yeah, I want. Anything I want. Yeah, her, her pricing structure was all wrong. I think she messed that up. It was 80s too, though. So yeah. what yeah. were they based out of? Is that New York? LA? No, uh, LA. LA, it was in yeah. LA. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So, uh, do you think that you they think were, you get that price? Is that like the Bunny Ranch? You think that's the same? He, I told you, bro. Me and Will went a long time ago. They wanted a hundred just to go in, like just yeah. to see the goods. Oh, so, mm, um, no, thank yeah. you. All right. Do you think they were a little shy about spotlighting Warren's wiener? Well, yeah, I would think so. They would have to be because they did a lot of Austin Power stuff. You brought up earlier them cover ups with like a twig, right, or like a the bedpost. <laughs> <laughs> I remember specifically when he was traipsing through the woods, the bush, the bush covered his, yeah. But did like you, you wanted to talk about how he got the, the, the cast to be comfortable with his genitals, uh, it's, right? it's It's my next question. It's my next one. So it's okay. my next one. Okay. All right, all right, all right. So go, yeah, you're third, and then I'll, I'll go. Yeah. Do you think Kessler got arrested soon after the credits, and did he get convicted? Uh, I do. I think that, the, I think if you look close enough, he is arrested. I, they didn't make a good, um, uh, like they didn't really focus on it, but I'm pretty sure he has his hands up to get arrested at the end. So was he convicted? Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, yeah. Bro. I mean, he, dude, yeah. you've already admitted to planting evidence on this guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And he even says it because you put so much undue stress on me. I went crazy and started killing. Oh, yeah, so totally. he blamed it on Kessler. Yeah, yeah, totally. Kessler screwed, I think. There's... So like all those other victims are never going to get justice because it's the case has been tainted. Right. And he killed Not the guy. Taint. And so he's never going to get a confession. The only, well, you do have an eyewitness because Lori can testify that this guy killed everybody in their norm. Yeah. But he's still going to get found guilty because everybody there heard him say, the reason I did this is because you drove me insane, follow me around all the time. I mean, even so. if they didn't, he's he's not the judge, jury, and executioner. You can't kill the dude even if I don't, I mean, you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm just saying legally, I think he's still screwed, right? But didn't that happen with that one video of the, uh, the dad. guy at the phone booth? Yeah. Same thing, right? Did he get Kinda. Did he get a lot of time though? But he still got it convicted. I think he got he? like six months credit for time served and like probation for two hmm. years or something. I've I've seen another video of a um a lady in a, like a European court shoot a guy on the stand for raping and killing her daughter and she didn't get any prison time. I mean, I'm not saying uh, that I hope they do get prison time. I'm just thinking legally is there is there something there that says they have to get prison time? I I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. It's a lawyer question. Well, maybe we'll get a 10 to midnight 2. 10 2 and they'll put a 2 there. 10 2 and that'll be the sequel to 10 Oh, 10 dot dot oh two like a clock, ten oh two midnight. Just, That'd be good. No, ten number two midnight, so that signifies it's a sequel to ten T O midnight. Oh, so you'll never be able to find it in a search because the numbers are all screwed up. Correct. All right, yeah. gotcha. All right. All right. Perfect. Here's here's what you've been waiting for, man. So according to trivia, uh Gene Davis, uh to in order to alleviate some of the awkwardness of the naked scenes, walked around the set nude, uh to get the girls more comfortable being around around him naked, right? And the chick that played Bronson's daughter, Lisa. Which I've been doing on this podcast forever, but we don't have any cameras. So I'm yeah. sitting here nude for absolutely no well, reason well, whatsoever. That's good because that might stupid. help with this question. Okay, So um, <laughs> so the Lisa chick, the the daughter, she refused to look at his at his penis uh, because she was, she was, actually, she was the only one that was like kind of still awkward about it. Lori, right? Lori, right, right. So in order to, uh, to fix that, he, he tied a red bow around his dong to draw attention <laughs> to it on set, which is great. So my question is, if so you like had. The bull thing, so she would go crazy right, right. when she saw it because right. of the red color. Right. So the question is, if you had to tie something around your junk to draw someone's attention, what would it be? Uh, probably, um, floss, dental, dental floss. floss. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, um, I was thinking maybe like the twist tie for a loaf of, actually, no, 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 not bread, uh, uh from a bag of tortillas. Cause I don't want to get no glutens on my dick. So it'd have to be the little twist tie. <laughs> uh, maybe like a little bell thing you put on your cat so they would yeah, know when I'm coming. Good. There it is. Oh, oh, oh nice. here comes new, new doc is coming. <laughs> nice. I hear 
right, good. good. I'm glad we finally got that out of the way. Good stuff. Yes. All right. uh, you got some taglines for me. Ah, you know what? I'm going to be joining you on ha- taglines because I'm tired of you having all the fun this time. Okay. So I go, like go ahead, it. give me yours, and then I'll give you right. uh, the, mine. Bronson is in town. That's it. That's it. Oh, that's definitely not you. That's that sucks. Okay. Oh, yeah. Bronson is back on the streets. Man, also, who, they came up with this crap? That's horrible. Yeah. Uh, Bronson, it's what's for dinner. That's that, now, now we're getting where I like it. Better. <laughs> Forget what's legal, do what's right. I should like that a lot. Is that them or you? That's them, too. That's a good one. I, that one yeah. I like. So, Bronson, it's what's for dinner is mine. All right, that's so. good. All right, here's, here's mine. To cause some doubt, take your wiener out. That's my tagline for this <laughs> All right, that's dumb. That's definitely you. All right, that was me. Yeah. Oh, the, here's here's a uh, here's a spoiler. They're all going to be me. So. <laughs> all right, give me a doc flick pick. All right. Um, anything starring uh, Bronson doppelganger Robert Bronzy. Ooh, Robert Bronzy. Have you seen that guy? No. Let me. I got it. Dude, pull this go up. right now. I'm go good. to Google Images. Everybody, follow a line. Follow along with us. Hang on a second. B R O N Z I. Yep, so go to Google Images. No way. <laughs> yes. How freaking amazing oh, is that, dude? Is it like Indian or Mexican Bronson? What is this, Italian? He's like Hungarian or some oh. shit. Uh, but dude, am I right? That dude is a complete Holy like, cow. twin. Like it, it, The mustache like is you, impeccable. It's perfect. Like he was born again. And this dude's making movies, man. He's making movies. Oh, that's great. And they're all kind of in the vein of the old school Charles Bronson flicks, and his acting is about the same. I'd like to hear like an interview with his real voice because I don't know if they're dubbing him in with the Bronson voice, but dude, it's scary how much he looks like Robert or Charles Bronson. All these movies are like Escape from Death Block something or Once Upon a Time in Deadwood. They're not quite the real movie. They're like the offshoot of the movie, Death Kiss. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Death <laughs> Kiss is the big one. I remember when Death Kiss came out, there was like trailers all over the place. Uh, and it's just, dude, how cool is that? They were able to awesome. find, it'd be like if somebody looks just like, you know, Sylvester Stallone and they're making, uh, instead of Cobra, they're doing like Boa Constrictor. Yeah, right, right. And, uh, you know, instead of Rocky, they're doing like Duffy. Yeah, you know? that's great, know. man. Yeah. So Sto- Stony. Rocky, Rocky would be Stony, I think. That's obvious. Stony. Yeah. yeah. Rocky and Stony. Death Kiss. Perfect. Exorcist Vengeance. Yeah, this dude's great. Yeah, yeah, Hungarian. That's his newest one, I think, is the Exorcist Vengeance. Crazy. Good job, man. The Avenging nice. Angel. So yeah, have fun with that, guys. Nice pull. Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of stick with our theme here of uh, killers or whatever. Um, I'm gonna say the the uh, just watched it yesterday. As a matter of fact, I had to change mine. The uh, Netflix documentary "Don't Fuck with Cats." I'm sure you oh, saw. I it. love that movie, dude. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, it was surprisingly good. Kind of. Lynn kept saying, "Eyes to Vegas." Yeah, I, Lynn kept saying, "I can't, I can't watch this. I can't watch this." And then she kept watching it. <laughs> Every time she would say, "I can't watch it," <laughs> she had to see. Like she had to see what she says about those car accidents like get out of the way you don't have to rub her neck and then she slows down and yeah so watch it yeah. Yeah. it's a great documentary dude they they did it well uh i think it's netflix an actual netflix documentary but um i prefer documentaries where there's not a narrator i like when they just let the people talk and this one did yep. a good job of pacing and and um leading you through it kind of well so it's a good job and it's a sorted story man Ooh, like crazy it just shows the de-evolution of a person online yeah nuts until he they're like literally it's a precautionary tale he's gonna kill somebody man and he does does. spoilers (laughs) maybe he does all right uh let's do oh it's this now 
what? Or not. Okay, Doc, give me the verdict. All right. Dude, I'm going to have to say this is not schlock to me. Yep. Uh, I thought it had a solid script. There was some terrific acting. There was some uneven acting as well, but there was some really good stuff. Uh, you had your classic Bronson delivery lines that he's paid to bring. You got the star power. You got a great production. You got great directing. Uh, I will say the end of the second act was a bit slow, but there was blood. There was violence. There was nudity. There was a compelling story. There was twists and turns, so not schlock. Good, good. I, I, I want to add a little something to that before I give you mine. You know what I would have liked to this movie? It just occurred to me. I think they could have cut out... More wiener? More wiener. I think they, if they would have spotlighted that dick a little. No, I think if they would have... So the, in the beginning with the... Um, with the alibi with the movie, right? With, the, with him getting naked with the movie theater alibi and everything, which is very smart and very well done. I would have liked to seen like two or three more killings with different smart alibis and take out a little of the love interest and maybe the father-daughter uh, drama, which is what you're talking about. Is no, that slow the father-daughter father thing was necessary, but I don't think the romance was needed because it didn't go anywhere anyway. And it was, I mean, he could have gone to that dance with her and just been like, I'm only going to protect you. That's fine. Right. 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 Yeah, he didn't need any of the other shit. Right. So, I think really nothing came out of that scene anyway. It was just filler. I think you just give me a couple more of those really good set up alibi murders would have been more fun for the movie than there, there was even the scene at one point where she calls him and he's like, sorry, I haven't called you. I've been really busy and stuff, yeah. you know? Well, like, that's after he found out about uh, the di the dad. So I guess he was kind of yeah, weird. He's like blowing her off, trying to create yeah. distance. Like maybe I shouldn't date you anymore because your dad's. A and that was slow. Cut. But I think if we had two or three more really good kills with really good set up alibis, that would add a lot to the movie. I would yeah. like that a lot. No. Okay. Uh, but but that being said, I do agree with you. I think it's not schlock. Um, I think it's still got that a little a little bit of that cannon cheese to it, but maybe like a brie or a munster instead of the cheddar you're used to getting with uh, with cannon. Instead uh, of cheese whiz, it's brie whiz. Right, right. You got it's 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 a step up, and it was unexpected. But I I agree with you. I don't think the movie. Is and we schlock. also it, we have failed to give credit where credit is due for the recommendation on this one. Uh, it's true. It's part of my thanks, but I, we can do it now if you'd like. Okay, go ahead. All right. Uh, okay, I got three. You got anything? I got three to thank. Uh, no, I just want to thank everybody for listening. I hope we have a great 2024. Uh, one of the great things about doing this show is we get to be exposed to movies that maybe we wouldn't necessarily watch on our own, but we do it in service for everybody that's listening, and it, it makes us better uh, yeah. I don't want to say critics because we're not critics, no. I would say, but just makes us more aware of what we're watching and, and the history of cinema. So uh, keep sending in those recommendations and uh, keep listening. And thanks for being a part of it. It broadens our horizons. It makes us step out 100%. and do some things we normally wouldn't do. And that's what we need. Get out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Yep. I mean, dude, uh, the best part of Twilight to me is all these memes you're sending me because I wouldn't have appreciated them properly if we wouldn't have watched Twilight. So thank I would have never known what they were even talking about. Thank you for so, that. Yeah. Memes so, okay. appreciations. Yeah, so like Doc was saying, I got to give a big thanks to my carnal Danny, DJ Casper. He's the one that recommended and introduced us to this film. So Danny, you know you're the man, bro. You know that. Um, also, we got another Danny to thank. Uh, Daniel, Daniel McAnally. It sounds like he might be from Ireland. I don't know. But he left McAnally? a nice... McAnally? Is how I'm reading McAnally? It? Yeah. So could he, it be uh, it could be, uh, he left a nice review of silent night, deadly night part two on the website, which is weird because I didn't think anybody ever went there. So that's nice. 
Uh, thank you thank to that. Thank you very much, Dana. And my big one today is uh, our executive producer, Gene, who we definitely do not thank enough on the show. Uh, he he made this whole show possible by donating the first Mac that we ever used to record the show. That was from Gene. Yep. He was he dude. Was we wouldn't man. be able to do any. Of, none right. of this would have been possible without Gene. Right. For sure. And unfortunately, Gene had a bit of a health scare recently. But as of today, uh, I think he's out of ICU, but he's still in the hospital recovering, which is a big bummer. Um, I don't want Gene. Yeah, get Come better. On. I don't want to violate any HIPAA policies here, but I think it, he had inverted penis, and I think they're trying to pop that sucker out somehow. I don't know how they do that. Maybe it's a probably, secondary case of HIV. And... You think they just plug your nose and blow in your mouth, and then it pops out? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it just pops out. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of. But um, No, I mean, it, it, in all honesty, though, if you know Gene personally, and I know a handful of you guys listening know Gene personally, you would agree with me. Gene is one of the best people on the planet Earth, and I truly do wish Nicest him well. Nicest fella ever, yeah, which Gene is, is a great, great because his screen name is the complete opposite. It's, of what he, yeah. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, he did. He did join us actually in in the uh, for a live uh, listen ter- during the show. I've been testing it, and so far, uh, if you guys want to become a Patreon, the the stuff will be at the end of the show. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to open it up so Patreons can join us uh, live during our recording and listen in and join in the chat. It's not not to speak, but to you know type in and chat during the show. I, I have it all but fixed, so that's something you guys can look forward to in, in the uh, near future. Ready to rock and roll with that shit. Yes, sir. Thanks, Doc. This Do was it. a good one. Uh, Thank you, buddy. Happy New Year's. Don't stay up too late. I'll try to get this one out uh, for New Year's. Sounds good, man. I hope you guys have a great year, man. Let's make this the best one ever. Hell yeah. 2023 sucked. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Doc. All right, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Wiener, 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 Another good one from Canon. Hey, King Sledge the Voice here, Patreon supporter numero uno. That's right. I was the first person to support these cats on Patreon. Why did I support them? Not because I like them as people but because I got value out of this show. And if you get a little value out of this show, you can support on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You can follow the link at steve52.com. The show is completely funded by our Patreons, and every cent goes straight back into making this show.